Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. I'm Sam. I am. Welcome to the Lifeboats live stream. Some of you that don't follow me on Twitter are probably thinking, well, they finally got him. He was talking about that climate change stuff way too early, took him out. He's at the bottom of a deep, dark hole right now. No, not the case. I uh, went out to San Antonio for about, supposed to be about a month, ended up being a little longer uh working on a big flood job out there and i've got some stories to share just like from when i came back from uh, florida if those of you that remember the dumb and dumber story i've got some along those lines this one went a whole lot smoother uh that i want to tell as well as coming home to an apartment that has no power on that has a fridge filled with maggots crawling everywhere and rotting meat uh smells horrible and it's like 85 degrees that was awesome after a month of working 400 hours to come home to so a lot of lessons learned there that i want to share because i think uh, you know everybody to some degree maybe not that bad but uh to some degree struggle with things like that and i've made some changes as a result and i'm going to talk about that uh but this week i watched the interview between andrew tate and um uh, Tucker Carlson and he's he's on Twitter now he's doing this long form thing it was really interesting to see there was a section where Andrew asked him have you seen the matrix the movie the matrix and he's like he starts laughing uncomfortably and he says no and, and he's like I don't want to talk about this but I have dyslexia real bad and uh, I, I don't like any watching any video and it was kind of a revealing moment because like you know when you're at Fox you don't have to talk about those kinds of things. But when you have your own show and you're sitting down for a two-hour chat, Joe Rogan style with somebody, the rules change a little bit. And I think he was learning from that experience. And I think Tucker has done himself a huge disservice with this interview uh, because I, I think there's some lessons for Tucker to learn here from what he's done because he brought this guy in and let him... Uh, sort of tell his story unchallenged uh, with just really, I think, a lot of disregard for some of the facts and things. And it, um, I think that's going to be very apparent to you because I've got some other footage that we're going to kind of blend in with uh, what's been happening uh, previously, you know, because he's done some interviews and so forth. So I guess let's jump into it. I want to get this thing off my screen. It's driving me crazy. Uh, we'll jump into it here. Bear with me one second. Just need to set a couple minor things up. All right. So they start off sort of explaining, all right, what's going on with these charges? Why did you go to jail? What is happening there? So let's go to that right there. So what are you charged with? That's a really good question. I'm charged with being the head of an organized criminal group, which is in charge of recruiting girls to make TikTok videos to steal the money from the TikTok views. TikTok. Recruiting girls to make TikTok videos and stealing the money. So it's really a financial crime? I, it looks that way. So here Andrew is giving this portrayal that I just, boy, I have no idea what these guys are talking about. This is completely coming out of the blue for me. Uh, this whole TikTok thing is ridiculous. I've never made any money off TikTok. And for those of you that have listened to me for a while, 
you've heard me talk about Ben doing the same technique. He'll pick out something. Well, this is the example that he can hold up and say, no, I didn't do any of this stuff. Meanwhile, he ignores the other ones where it's clear that he did do something. Yeah, a little more shady. So I think what Andrew's doing here as he's coming on and sort of putting together this sort of half-assed version of the truth because a lot of the things that he's going to bring up here with Tucker as we go through this interview, uh, they're true. Like there are girls saying, no, he didn't abuse me. I, I like Andrew. I appreciate what he did for me and that sort of thing. But there's also ones that are saying, no, no, he was uh, physically violent with me and so forth. So, okay. Here's, oh, this is the new Andrew. You know, he looks, looks very good, very dashing there. I love the the lighting he's in his home in Romania he's got this live edge table that's probably 12 15 20 thousand dollars in the background there looks very good but here's the old Andrew they face charges which include human trafficking rape and forming a criminal gang to sexually exploit women. OnlyFans is the best hustle in the world are they accusing you of using violence or no OnlyFans wait a minute that was him on a podcast talking about OnlyFans, not TikTok, and that's what's in the charging documents. So why is he talking about TikTok? Why? Because it's a distraction. They're accusing me of using the Loverboy method, coercing them by being nice. I don't mention webcam until after I've had sex with the girl. So here he is explaining how you can go out and recruit girls uh, by seducing them, having sex with them, and then bringing them into a webcam studio, preferably with another girl. And you give them a bunch of alcohol and you turn the cameras on and the, the other girl takes it from there. And then you've got another girl working for you, making you money as a webcam model. Yeah, yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> If you're on dates and you're trying to mention it and shit, it just doesn't work. It puts them off. I'd never do that. That's disgusting. I'm not a whore. Uh, it's just not going to work. You continue as normal. No mention of webcam. You fuck the girl. After you fuck the girl, you do the PhD test. The PhD test. So this is his program that he was selling apparently you know, he wants everybody to be able to pimp out girls for webcam businesses and make lots of money off of them. The girls who they've identified to add to the file are saying that we're not victims of anything and this isn't true. Some of the but girls. the state believes it's true and the state thinks that I, as a 35-year-old man, woke up. I was already extremely financially successful. I was already a father. I was already very well known. I had no financial motivation. I have no criminal record. It's not my personality profile, but I woke up at the age of 35 and decided to make girls do TikTok to enrich myself with the pennies that I would earn from TikTok views. Do you see what he's setting up here? Like I'm completely innocent in this. None of this makes any sense, especially the way he's presenting it because you know it's pretty much an outright fabrication of reality he's cherry picking things he does have some women who are saying nope he didn't do that to me but others are saying that yes he did so it's not a fair characterization for him to come out and say well, there's no evidence here there's nothing to suggest this 
especially when this is in his past. So yeah, on CobraTape.com, I have my PhD program, and that is uh, PhD is a pimp and hose degree. Pimp and hose degree. Um, Clever. And that, Clever. That, that, that teaches basically how I got girls, how I met girls, how I got girls to like me, how I got girls to fall in love with me to work on webcam for me. Uh, and you're always working. Why don't you work for me so we spend more time together? Work for you doing what? So I'll have a webcam business. Oh, I don't want to do that. So, okay, I know you don't want to do that, but listen. Come, let's have a meeting. Let's just talk about it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Fine. But let me explain it to you properly. In fact, I'll bring one of the girls who works for me. Your bottom bitch is the one who does the selling. You don't do the selling. The girl has to hear it from a girl. And this is where your bottom bitch has to be trained. That's why I said it's so important to have a good first girl. Because that's what I did. That was my, my MO was find girls, make them love me, and make them work for me. This girl's like, okay, well, I'll try it. Put both girls on. Now, notice in these videos, these old videos, you know, he's in a nice place, but it doesn't quite have the polish. He doesn't quite have the polish, the nice clothes, the things that he has with the new Tate, right? This is the old Tate. Camera together the first day so the new girl could sit there and just sit with the other girl and get drunk. Give him a bottle of vodka. Last night that I worked for him, Andrew bought me like five bottles of wine. So I got completely drunk because I've never done webcam work. So I was very, very nervous. And that's how I got rich. So that teaches everything I know and from that's start how to finish I got about rich. Uh, not only getting girls, not only obtaining them, but retaining them. Because that's a completely different game as well. So, yeah. Uh, apparently they're coming after me because I have girlfriends who have TikTok accounts and I'm taking all their money, all, all the pennies from TikTok. I, I, he's gaslighting the whole world here. And like... There's evidence right in your face that says that's exactly what he's doing. And Tucker like fell for it. This is going to be a learning experience for him that like, yeah, you still have to do your, your background checks, your fact checking. You still have to vet people and their stories. You can't just bring them on and put them in front of tens of millions of people to tell their story unchallenged if it's obviously a fabrication. Just speaking from the American perspective, most people believe that human trafficking is effectively slavery, selling human beings. That's what, and that's what I believe as well, absolutely. And this is the thing that's so interesting, when you finally end up the enemy of the matrix and they use the legal system as a weapon to punish you for having an opinion, you realize how subjective the law is, right? Because it can be a weapon. When you have something subjective, you can just pick and choose. So if they sit and say, ah, human trafficking is a woman doing something for financial gain against her will via emotional coercion. Well, he knows these two girls. They have TikTok Emotional account. coercion? Convincing her. That's what I'm accused of because they have no proof of me doing anything wrong. So they said he's convinced these girls to do TikTok for money. The girls have said themselves have said this is not true. And the state is denying their statement saying, no, you're brainwashed. It is true. Do you see how he's warping the truth here that there were some girls that did that, but TikTok might be mentioned one time in the document, but what was mentioned only fans, where was he making the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars from his 75 girls that were working for him at one time in his four different locations. And I went to jail. So how is the state? So the state is trying to coerce the women 
So how is the state not committing human trafficking by the same definition? Well, absolutely. It's very interesting. It's very interesting that you can sit someone down and tell them they're a victim when they say they're not a victim. <laughs> You're a victim of being coerced, and we're going to try to coerce you into conceding you're coerced. Exactly. It's a very interesting scenario. And, uh... <laughs> it's hilarious, if it were true. But it's half true. It's a subset of the people that were involved here. Some of them clearly have filed complaints. And Tucker's just eating this up like this is all there is to this story. And it, oof, man. Meanwhile. Oh, you're always working. Why don't you work for me so we spend more time together? Work for you doing what? So I'll have a webcam business. Oh, I don't want to do that. So, okay, I know you don't want to do that, but listen. Come, let's have a meeting. Let's just talk about it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Fine. But let me explain it to you properly. In fact, I'll bring one of the girls who works for me. Your bottom bitch is the one who does the selling. You don't do the selling. The girl has to hear so from again, the girl. So again, here he is explaining. Your to be trained. That's why I said it's so important to have a good first time. How he brings in another that's girl. That's what I did. That was my, my MO was find girls, make them love To me and make convince them these girls, girls like, oh, to work for him. Put both girls on there justification for this is that girls do TikTok. Some girls I know who they found who say they're not Did victims. I get off? I think so. And we use the lover boy method to convince women to do TikTok videos to make money so that we can steal the TikTok money. The media machine, which works hands in hands with the justice machine, as you know very well, did exactly that. In fact, they offered bribes effectively. They'd call up ex-girlfriends and say, if you have anything bad to say about Andrew, we can pay you $50,000 for the story. And this is true. That's exactly how it works. That's how you get some of these hit pieces that run about people before elections and so forth, is the media is not just there to report the news. They're there to attack anybody that's an enemy of the establishment. It is a just another mechanism of control and one that, Aaron, that Andrew rightly points out is, is failing. Like they used to be able to just attack somebody with the mainstream media and then everybody ignores them. Oh, that person is this. Well, now they come out and say that and everybody knows it's a lie. The whole fake news thing that Trump really popularized. People have woken up to this mechanism of control and now it doesn't work anymore. And the government, they still don't re recognize that like the paradigm has changed. You can't just well, we'll have the uh, CNN go after them. That'll, that'll fix it, and it doesn't anymore. So they are kind of the cornered animal thrashing around in the tar pit trying to figure out how to survive, and I think the reality is they don't, at least not in the capacity, any semblance of uh, what a government is, what the U.S. government is today. And they tried very hard. And this is the thing that's so interesting because I'm accused of using a method of human trafficking called the lover boy method. So how that would traditionally work is a man would meet a girl. So here he is explaining the whole trafficking and how this works. And notice his mannerisms. He's like, now he, he slows down. He pauses. He wants to portray that like, well, I don't really know this, but this is how I've heard that this works. Tate is a master manipulator. And he's hoping here to manipulate you guys into his worldview, which is f false. I mean, it's, it's based on some half-truths, but it's mostly false. Become her boyfriend, take her to another country, turn her into a prostitute, 
say I love you, like pimping. Of course. But they're saying, because all my conversations with these girls are very nice, they're saying that I use the Loverboy method to convince them to do TikTok. And once again, I never made a penny from TikTok and I have no interest in girls' TikToks accounts and I've never made any money from TikTok in my life. The go that sounds exactly like something uh, Ben would say. Or no, not, yeah, it is Ben. Uh, <laughs> same kind of deal. They've picked something where they did, they are telling the truth and they talk about that, but it's not really addressing the issue at hand. That is exactly what he's doing here. All of it is certainly to slander my name. And uh -huh. I, I like to see it as a litmus test. I like to see it as an intelligence test. Anybody who wakes up and looks at me and goes, he's a human trafficker because of TikTok. Those, they're fully gone. So, but, but from the way, <laughs> and I don't think people believe it anymore, but that scares me to a degree because I think that the typical weapon, the standardized the playbook is now failing. And I don't know what the new playbook's going to be. But it's almost it, like better the devil, you know, that you're too famous. You're too successful. We don't like you. Call him a rapist or a human trafficker. Put him all over the news, slander his name, try and wreck his life. Now that nobody believes it, what's, what's the next move? What are they going to try next? So he's trying to sell the narrative that, well, this is what they're doing to me. I am completely innocent here, despite me having how-to videos on how to pimp out girls for your webcam business and me going on bragging about this is how I got rich. Remember when he told us earlier in this interview with Tucker that, uh, you know, I'm, I was already financially wealthy. I was this, I was that. No, no. Come on, folks. Me and these two chicks, we, start, we just start fucking hammering the webcam game. Problem is, another thing I knew, when I talk about what women don't find, that men, that women don't know what men find attractive, the earlier on this podcast, everything I said, the, the webcam company I was running proved that per perfectly. The women who were on stream were beautiful, but they didn't have a fucking clue what to say. They were saying all the wrong shit, man. Every day they were saying the wrong shit, and we were losing customers. Everything I was telling you earlier about wanting to be innocent. They're saying, oh, I've been here, I've been there. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You're talking to some dude. He doesn't want to hear where you've been. He knows you can't be a hot, you can't be a 10 talking about the, how you've been to Dubai with, to, to some fucking dude in Minnesota who's fat. He ain't going to ever believe that he's going to get you that way. You got you to gotta lie to him. You got to lie to him. She's like, lie and say what? Say that you've never been anywhere because you don't trust men. You can't find a man who's serious. Make him think that if he's serious about you, that nothing else matters. Wow, you got to put a famoose on it. So I'm trying to teach these women and the women kept fucking it up. So I said to, said to him, it's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm taking over. So what I did is I unplugged their keyboards and plugged a new one in from me behind the screen. So the chicks would sit there and hit a, a keyboard that wasn't plugged in. And me and my brother and eventually some staff I trained would do all the talking. The girls were just pure, just famoosers, just laughing and doing this, their titties out. And they were talking to fucking ice cold hustlers. We were taking their money, all of it. And they, they come and say, <laughs> what kind of, all of it. We were fucking milking them dry. Women haven't got a clue how to famoose a dude. They don't have, because they rely on their looks. They don't have any of the intellect. They have no game, nothing. <laughs> they're some, though, they're, they're nothing. They're nah, you get, you get a man, you get a man with game and give him a female's body, a female avatar, we he will fuck a guy up. I had these guys selling their houses, life savings, loans, all of it to me. Give me it all. So like, and it's, it's basic shit, right? You'd have Did a you guy. feel bad or no? Fuck no. To give a solitary fuck. So for the rest of the interview with Tucker, he's going to talk about how integrity and character are really important. 
as he's just admitted that he basically scammed guys out of money using TikTok models for hundreds of thousands of dollars, ruined their lives, some of them. And Tucker's oblivious to all of this. My message is traditional masculinity. My message is to mm-hmm. stand up and say what you mean and mean what you say. And even going to the gym nowadays is an act of defiance because when you have a man who's built with any degree of principle, you say no to things. And I think if I have to analyze my message and why I'm so disliked by the people who dislike me, it's not the things I'm saying. It's the fact that... It's the things that you're doing, right? It's the fact that you're, you're a total hypocrite, that you're kind of like a piece of shit human being, Tate. And now here you are shoveling bullshit into our mouth about how virtuous and how much integrity you have and how you're the, this leader that we should aspire to, that you're this kind of thinking, as you're going to explain to us here in a little bit, that we should all adopt because you're the one doing it right. You know, when you're hustling guys out of their money, using models to fool them into taking out mortgages on their home and draining their life savings so you can put it in your pocket and then tell us what a great guy you are and how many people you're helping. If you adhere to my principles and you adhere to the things I say, you end up being the kind of person who will resist certain ideas. You say no. What Now, <laughs> on the other side of that coin, what he's saying here is absolutely correct. Like he's nailing it with the things that he comes through. Uh, And like, I I wish we had a better messenger for this message, but he's the one doing it. Like he's what we got. And that's, I I see this over and over and over again, where the, the people who come up with the right message aren't the right messengers, right? Because he's flying in the face of everything that he's talking about here but he's absolutely nailing it with his philosophy and his thoughts on these subjects. And the same thing happened with Nietzsche, right? He, he just had some brilliant things to say about the condition of the human mind and psychology. And it's really shaped what we think about what we think today. And he also succumbed to the Nazi ideology. So does that mean we throw out everything that he contributed because well, he wasn't perfect as a person. I don't think so. I think you kind of take what you can, but recognize people for who they are. And uh, this guy, he comes across as a snake, big time snake. And, oh, what do you know? His dad, he introduces him later. I, th- I think I left the clip in here as a chess master. Well, I, I mean, he works for the CIA. <laughs> and now you have his son involved in trafficking women to, to enrich himself. Yeah. Kind of man never says no. Name a man who never says no. Name a woman who never says no. It's a human thing to say no and be able to set boundaries and learn from that experience. But I, I kind of get what he's saying, but he's also trying to make his case here and not doing a very good job of it. Men say no, right? Men, men wake up and say, no, I don't think that should be done this way. No, my children will not be taught that. No. The father's primary job. Absolutely. So when you say to men, listen, you're allowed to have an opinion. You're allowed to have standards. You're allowed to have boundaries and barriers. You're allowed to get up and become important and work hard and try hard and become the kind of man who can't be controlled. Then you're seen as an enemy. And I, 
especially with the massive influence I've gained, I think they look at me and go, ah, he's, he's helping men resist the slave programming. We don't need him around. We need to empty their brains so we can inject the slave programming and convince men to be eunuchs. Because once Correct. you're eunuched, then you're not a threat. It's a scary situation I'm but in. But if you're arguing that it's really important for a man to find a good woman, yep. a decent woman, yep. an honest woman, yep. that's, that's the truest thing that's ever been said. I Absolutely. Mean, that's the most important thing any man can do. I mean, I can just tell you firsthand. Oh, thank you very being much. married 32 years, that's the most important thing. And you think saying that angered people? Absolutely, because I'm arguing the only way to do that is via masculine excellence. I'm saying in the world we live in today, it's hyper-competitive. And if you want to be the kind of man that has the choice of women to choose a good one, you need to be an excellent man. It's no longer acceptable for you to just be an average Joe or below average. You have to get up and you have to work hard and you have to be smart and interesting and you have to be charismatic and make some money and be in good shape and you have to try very hard. And unfortunately, you know what? All those things are true. Like 100%, he's dead on with everything that he's saying. Again, it's the... The messenger I have a problem with, not the message. For them, if you follow that path as a man and you become successful in those realms, you end up being the kind of person who resists enslavement. You become the kind of person who wakes Bingo. up and says, no, I don't believe in that. That doesn't make sense to I me. I can't imagine a better message than that. When you want to conquer a society, you kill the military-age males. That's what you do. That's the first thing you've, they've ever done. They walk in and all the men have to have their throats cut. They can't perhaps do that, but they can certainly cut your balls off. And then you can't resist. And I think there's certainly, you know, like if you've got three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt and you're a doctor and they tell you, we need you to need you to go along with the shots and you raise some concerns. And you know what? Maybe they just kick you out of being a doctor and then you're not able to pay those loans. But that would be a shame, wouldn't it? If something like that happened to you. So then what did they do? Well, okay. I guess we're just going to go along with the shots then. A movement to ensure that there's very little resistance left inside of the number one demographic, which is required to resist oppression, which are military age males. And they don't want those kind of people waking up with any kind of self-respect or standards or to say, no, I don't accept this. I do not need a ninth injection. They don't want that. They want you to sit and say, hmm. I don't need it, but the news said so, so, oh well. Bingo. I have nothing against the people who fell for the propaganda, fell for the programming and yes, took the vaccine. Yes, I agree. Fine. But you should wake up and say, I was fooled. I've learned my lesson. I will not be fooled again. But if you were fooled by the MSM and took the injection and you continue to be fooled and you have not self-reflected and you have not realized that they lied to you the entire way and you now believe the new bunch of lies that are all over the television, then there's something wrong with you. Or you don't care that you were lied to. You don't care that you were lied to because... Or that you're emotionally invested in the lie because you don't want to admit that you were wrong. You know, you might be the one who convinced your friend or family or loved one to take the shot too. And thereby, therefore, you would be responsible for what happens to them if you admit that you're wrong. So they have this huge incentive to just cling to that narrative for dear life because their reputation, their whole worldview depends on it. I think a lot of this is actually genuinely cowardice. I think it's a very Bingo. easy worldview. The life is easier if you accept the news tells the truth. Yes. Everything they want me to believe is true. Everything's nice and simple. Take the red pill. Good guys, bad guys. I'm sorry, take the blue pill. 
And if you want to actually wake up, it takes a degree of bravery because then you have to destroy your entire worldview, everything you've ever understood and everything you're told. And you have to really look at the world and go, oh, this is a mess. And that takes bravery. And once again, that's why they don't want men to be brave. They want you to sit there and go, oh, it's easier if just, you know, CNN said, so it must be true. And it's, it's cowardice. And they're trying to instill cowardice in all of us. That's, that's what they're, they're trying very hard to do. I'm like the enemy to them because I, I symbolize men who don't comply. And not don't comply in a, in a negative law-breaking way, but don't comply in a, if we don't agree with that or we don't see common sense in that, we're going to politely decline. And that's simply not allowed. I and, you know, it's frustrating watching these two guys have this discussion and not realize that both of them are trapped in a paradigm of their own thinking that, well, we have to have the government. I mean, we need to, we need to resist. Well, they just make it illegal. And then they'll, you know, you might insist that we not do that, but they're going to have to ask you to go ahead and do that. And if you don't do it, well, then they're going to call some more of their friends over and they'll all ask you again and tell you this time that you're definitely going to have to do that. And if you don't do it, then they'll make you do it. And if you resist them, they can kill you on the spot if it escalates that far. So that's the paradigm that we're under. And it's like nobody wants to acknowledge, none of the people who support the state really want to acknowledge the gun in the room, that every request by a government comes down to a group of men and women willing to use violence up to and including death to force their worldview, their beliefs on you. I think that as a man, there's always going to be a degree of pain and suffering in your journey. I don't think you're ever going to become a successful man or be good at being a man without pain and suffering. And there's many times in my life where something terrible happened to me. And at the time, if I could change it, I would have. But retrospectively, you kind of look back and go, you know what? That was formulative right. for me. That's right. That is what God decided I needed to become who I became. So all of the pain and all the suffering I've ever gone through in my life ended up in the end building me into the person I am. And I'm proud of who I am. So if God decides I need to go back to a Romanian dungeon for however many days, then all I can do is accept it and accept his plan and accept that it's going to make me a better person. And, and so you it. see the hand of God in your life. Absolutely. Mm hmm. And, you know, I agree with that, too, because I was having this discussion with uh, ex-wife about her dad who passed away recently. This is uh, my daughter's uh, grandfather. <clears throat> and he was like not the greatest person and did some real petty things with the will and this and that. And uh, she was like, you know, next time I need to pick better parents. And I said, no, you picked exactly the right parent to give you the experiences that he gave you. Like that's, that's what I think life is really all about. It's about you coming here to learn these lessons, to have these struggles to deal with these kind of issues, questions, um, changing beliefs, whatever it is, to sort of flush out and grow your character. And over time, I just build up this big, this big little empire of webcam girls. At one, see now he's got a little more money. He's wearing the glasses and the nice clothes. This is new Tate coming in. At one point, I had four locations, 75 girls working for me.
I'd take around half of the money, around 50%. You take 50%. Around 50%. They thought they were on 50%. And I said that the disparity is because of taxes. He would just pay me a flat fee of 15 pounds an hour. We got to the point where we had these guys falling in love with my models, serious, big time in love, right? Sending crazy money. And they were convinced they were going to meet the chick. This is almost where I kind of felt bad because they were like, can we meet? I've sent you $200,000. When you look at the money that I was actually bringing in, it just doesn't even scratch the surface. I had these guys selling their houses, life savings, loans, all of it to me. Give me it all. I was all about trying to get paid. Like my whole, I used sex as a tool to make women love me so they'd obey me and live in my house to make me money. That, that's what I wanted. So I was a pimp in that a sense. Pimp. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think the West is actually split between people who think and people who don't think at all. I think the people, there, there are, there's no such thing as these two opposing worldviews. I think people believe there's worldview A and worldview B. I, I disagree. Got the red team or the blue team? Are you Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative? Which one? Pick the side that you're on because there's only two sides to every possible issue if you listen to the government. Are you pro-abortion or pro-life? Which one? Remember when I did the show and said, hey guys, maybe you could be against abortion, but also against forcing your ideas on others and respect the choices of others, even if you disagree with them. Because that's what it takes for us to put the gun down and stop pointing it at our friends and neighbors and threatening them with violence if they don't act the way we think is okay. Agree with that. I think there's worldview A the good guys, which are primarily people who do believe in God, do have parameters, do believe in standards, do believe in self-respect, do know how to say no. And there's worldview B, which changes day by day, regard based on what they're told, which means they have no real worldview at all. They just repeat and they have no standards and they have no parameters. There's nothing you can tell them that will make them wake up and go, that's wrong because they have no inherent morality. So you can literally you could say bestiality is accepted and encouraged now. It's good for you because for climate change. And they'll sit there and go, oh, for climate change, oh, well, off we go. And uh, they'll just do it. So I think you have a, a camp of people who, who think and you have a camp of people who repeat. And I don't think there's actually the, the opposing side to the good. I don't think function as a thinking populace at all. I think they simply repeat. If you would have told me how COVID would have gone down yes. before COVID, I'd say no way we're not that bad, you know, like I thought the people aren't that dumb. But when I experienced COVID, it, it's actually scary. You see how the Nazis managed to do what they did. You see For how sure. they managed to put people in concentration camps. You see it. That's the scariest thing about everything is that they can get to a level where with the media machine, where people will genuinely ignore their own eyes. I don't understand how you can get people so brainwashed that they will see that the sky is blue and then they'll watch that the sky is green and then they'll look at it again and go, Sky's green. Do you remember writing in your diary that freedom is the freedom to say two and two make four? Yes. How many fingers am I holding up, Winston? Four. And if the party says it is not four but five, then how many? Four. That's not a man, that's a woman. How many? What are her pronouns? How many fingers, Winston? Four, five, four. Anything you like. Only stop the pain. I also think a large part of this transsexual movement, I think a large part of it 
is a deliberate attack on us and our senses because they're trying to convince us to ignore our eyes. I do believe that is a bottom line. I think the bottom line of slavery are, are your own senses. Like no matter what I'm told that it's cold outside, I feel warm. That is my, that's the bottom line. So once they can convince you that your senses are wrong, well then you're completely open for the slave program. Once you can look at something with your eyes and ignore your eyes, you're a prime candidate. So I think a lot of this has also something to do with that. You How many fingers, Winston? The party wants you to say there's five. That is exactly what's going on. And what was he saying? Just make the pain stop. Just let me travel again. Just let me go to college. Just let me keep my job. Just let me get this organ transplant. This is what Orwell exactly, what Orwell warned us about, and it's happening. And it's a holocaust. And if we don't start calling it what it is, then we're doing a disservice to humanity, to our friends and neighbors. You're being the wishy-washy putty that he talks about, right? Not the one who's standing up and telling people, speaking truths, that these shots were deadly, that they were People were coerced into taking them, that we were lied to about them, and now people are dying. Forgotten Centerist just told me uh, via DM earlier that he's got six people in four weeks that have died in his uh, Muslim community, uh, and all of them were under 30, all of them. And what did I say? I said, I think it was 18 to 24 months is how long this thing would take to kind of start peaking and really come in. I think we're in that phase right now. I think we're two, two plus years out from a lot of people getting these shots and they're taking their toll. And it's become undeniable, but to the propagandists, they just keep pushing the lie because it's all they know. They, they've built their whole identity around it. And so, again, I, I love what he's saying here. I just wish it was a better person saying it. You are going to say that's a girl. That's what you are going to say because you have to. And if you say it long enough, you'll think it. And if you won't, your children will because we'll tell them. Bingo. So eventually, you're going to say it. And then it becomes true. Then you ignore your eyes. Now you believe anything, right? To the next thing comes along. Now you'll believe all the people on the jets telling you about climate change. It's all an attack on the senses. It, it's crazy to me. But COVID proves they can do that. And... Uh, that's why the, the war is getting so intense, because the principled people are saying, how can you still believe in the things that you're saying? Here is all the logical, empirical evidence that that is a lie. But these people are ideologically brainwashed, and they don't want to take enough. They don't have the bravery it takes to wake up and accept that they're being lied to. So they'd rather just, to the end of time, repeat what they're told. And it becomes... And, you know, this is also Matthias Desmet, what he talked about with the mass formation that you've got this core 30%. These are the true believers. They've bought into the narrative, hook, line, and sinker. And he says, it doesn't matter how absurd or ridiculous what you're being told, how many fingers, oh, that's five, even though I'm only holding up four. It doesn't matter. They will go along because those are the people that are going down with the ship. They are not changing their mind. They've got too much invested. They are too far gone.
more and more intense as it becomes more and more ridiculous. And a lot of them believe that the law is fair. I've had people say to me, oh yeah, what they're doing to you is garbage. Well, you need a lawyer. So yeah, I do need a lawyer and I do have a lawyer. Thank you. But it's not that simple, unfortunately. You know, it's a very, the law is very subjective. And uh, if they want to attack you with it, they're going to do a very good job of attacking you with it. And, and, and that's what the UK does. The UK have these laws. And you know what? Here they are again, explaining how the legal system is, has been weaponized against the people. I mean, you think about it. They have literally gone in and changed the meanings of words so that you go in there, you hear someone say something, and you think you know what it means, but the reality is to them in their legal system, their legalese, it means something entirely different. So how do you know this? Well, oh, simple. You get a $400 an hour interpreter. If you can't afford one, well, then I'm sorry you're going to be disadvantaged in their system and the rich will have the advantage. That's the system. Might as well just go make your mark slave because you can read it, but you can't even understand it because they've redefined the words and they get to interpret what it actually means, not what it says. So make your mark. Laws which are extremely subjective and they can use it as a weapon to basically silence anyone they decide. They just make more and more authoritarian laws and they end up using them to attack the people that the government doesn't like. But they're not laws that are aimed at fixing the problem that's right in no, front of No, they're, they're, they're laws aimed at, talk, uh, at fixing the person who's talking about the problems. So why, why don't you get rid of the guy who tells everybody? Isn't that easier, Tucker? <laughs> why fix any of this? If we just shut him up, they won't know. No, but that's like responding to a heat wave by breaking your thermometer. Completely right. That's, a, <laughs> that's, like, that, that's, that's the plan. It's insane. Plan one is to break the th thermometer. We might deal with the heat wave a bit later. But Get for, air conditioning. No, let's yeah. break the thermometer. For now, there's too many people talking about the heat wave. So let's just break that. And then later on, maybe when we... Let's kick these scientists off Twitter. Let's kick the YouTubers off of YouTube. That was the first step. And then it became Twitter. Anyone spreading misinformation, let's go after them. And that was backed and driven by the government, by the uh, DHS, I think it was, that was having meetings with them. And the White House was silencing people who were sounding the alarm. Hey, these shots are dangerous. We should stop them. Of course, they went out and vilified the doctors and stripped them of their licensing and kicked them out of their careers for speaking out. Same exact playbook. We have time. We'll do something about the actual issue. It, it does seem like a lot of this is an effort not to talk about the thing, the real thing in Europe anyway, which is migration. If you neuter the native population of men, if you destroy their mentality to resist, if you tell them that every single thing about the masculine is wrong and you basically feminize and, un and unicate them, turn them into eunuchs, and then you import high testosterone men from the That's third right. world right. who don't believe any of this garbage, who grew up in a society where they understand the only yeah. way to succeed is to be a fearsome predator to a degree. What do you think is going to happen? Like, who's supposed to protect the sanctity of these nations and, and these settlements and these towns and villages? The police? No. In general, I would argue that it's the masculine essence that can be detected by the people who arrive I guarantee if you were to pick a, put a bunch of 
these migrants in Sarajevo or Moscow, they behave themselves. Oh, but yeah. I have a feeling they just look around and go, mm, not today. <laughs> but, but, when you, but when you neuter the native populace, then it's like, well, there's a power vacuum. And when, and when there's a power vacuum, what do we expect to happen? So that's what, what's so- What are the French gonna do about it? What, what's <laughs> your average true. Englishman gonna do about nothing, it? Nothing, nothing. And, and that's the thing. And, and that makes you wonder, is this purposeful? Like why, these two things are, these two actions of neutering the native, native populace and importing these high testosterone third worlders are so at odds with each other. Is this purposeful? I'm not sure, but has anyone considered this? So yeah, it's interesting because you talk about well, my- these are huge and intentional trends. And so, and I mean, they're, trans they're historically transformative trends. Yeah. They're a big deal. Yeah. And so they're probably not happening by accident, right? There's gotta be some intent. How yeah. could there not be? Yeah, that's right. And, and how do they expect all of this to end? And this is exactly what's happening with migration. The problem with migration specifically is that there's no native masculine populace to enforce any degree of culture or boundary or parameter. Yeah. If, if you turn up in someone's house and their house is pristine, you're probably gonna take your cup and you're gonna go put it in the kitchen. But if you turn up in somebody's house and it's a fucking mess and nobody respects the house and nobody cares and the man is drugged out of his mind half asleep on the couch. Or you playing Call of Duty. Do you don't give a shit. Yeah. Oh, hold on, I wanna back up just one second here. I would argue that it's the masculine essence that can be detected by the people who arrive Apologies. Thing. And, and that makes you wonder, is this purposeful? Like why? Okay. So absolutely. Is this purposeful to that question? They've created this massive bubble. They have this dying empire known as the, the U S government that has reached its, its, uh, can kicking limit. Okay. They've printed so many dollars. They know the dollar is going to fail as the global reserve currency. I think they want to bring in the yuan and, and have the era of China being the superpower next. And they've got to collapse the society in order to make that transition, I guess, to manage that transition. And this is a global thing. They've got to collapse all of these, all of these bubbles that they've created around the world. And I think that's why we're being hit with this all of a sudden. And at the same time, I think there's a very clear uh, intent to reduce the population. And, you know, is it a coincidence? Was it intentional with the shots? I don't know. I, I mean, they are a bioweapon that escaped. And then uh, so many shortcuts were taken where they just, you know, trying to ring the cash register for their company to uh, willing to overlook stuff that they shouldn't have or, or, is there some kind of malintent behind this? I don't know. I think you can make the, the argument for either one, but there is a very clear agenda at play here. And, and he's kind of alluding to it, posing the question, but I think it's abundantly clear that yes, uh, they do want to reduce the number of people on the planet and uh, they need to collapse the way of life. The, the, the American dream is not going to be a thing going forward. We're going to be this crumbling nation with failing infrastructure, with a reduced a shrinking population. And that comes with a whole nother set of problems. And not only that, but we're in the midst of this die off from these, uh, these COVID gene transfection therapies. And that is not only taking people out of the workforce over a million so far, 
but it's it's creating demand destruction going forward. It's reducing demand because these people aren't living lives where they need clothes and cars and washing machines and TVs. They're dead. And there's no replacing that consumption. I, I mean, I guess you could bring in immigrants, but they're starting from the bottom. These two things are, these two actions of neutering the native populace and importing these high testosterone third worlders are so at odds with each other. Is this purposeful? I'm not sure, but has anyone considered this? So yeah, it's interesting because you talk about- Well, my these are huge and intentional trends. And so, and I mean, they're, trans they're historically transformative trends. They're a big deal. And so they're probably not happening by accident, right? Okay. What is the matrix? I guess some Americans call it the deep state, but I like to look at it in a more global way. When I say the matrix, I think there are certain agendas which are being pushed. I think the media machine and the judicial systems of the world work together hand in hand. I think the goal is to control people's minds to a point where they don't discuss anything that's important. And when, when I talk about the deep state, you have to recognize this is multinational, global, just as he's describing there. <clears throat> It is a sort of loose-knit affiliation, and this is why, you know, we have uh, American helicopters showing up pretty much anywhere there's some kind of UFO sighting, if it's down in Brazil or whatever, uh, because you have this, I'd say the deep state is maybe headquartered in the United States government, but it has tentacles. It's, it's uh, oh, what was the movie? Um Hail high, it's the Hydra, right? It's got tentacles out everywhere. And I think he's correct with what he's describing there. The reason I use The Matrix is because I've watched that movie a few times and it has so many similarities. The basic premise is that humans' minds are controlled and put inside of a false reality so that their body heat can be manifested for the machines. And I don't think it's much different to reality. Our minds are controlled, we're put in a false version of reality. We're Turned into wage slaves where you work, and you send up 30% of your income, 30 to 50% of your income to the government, and they get to divvy that up amongst themselves and hand pass it out to their friends, use it to punish their enemies and grow more powerful the following year. And each year, they just keep growing and getting more powerful and taking more control. And again and again and again, rinse and repeat until it becomes unsustainable and the whole thing collapses. But we need government because without government, it would be Mad Max, obviously. We're told things aren't true. We're arguing over things that don't matter. We're observing a false version of events. And the goal of it is just to distract us long enough for our bodies to be used for the machines, to soulless. And I think it's pretty similar. There are agents inside of the matrix and the idea of the agent, the purpose of the agent is to make sure that nobody understands how the matrix really works and to wake anybody's mind up. They want to keep you asleep. And any person can become an agent at any time. If they're not unplugged, if their mind is not free, they can become an agent and their job is to keep you asleep. And you see agents all the time. COVID awoken me to agents. When I would sit and talk to somebody and they seemed perfectly rational and normal until I mentioned COVID and then they'd fully change. No, it's dangerous. No, what do you mean? What do you mean? Are you crazy? My grandma got sick. And they, and they became an agent instantly and started repeating the news to me. The idea and the world that most people have in their mind and how society functions and how all these things function, I genuinely believe is completely false. I think they've all been lied to. I don't think Bingo. anybody understands. Bingo. And, it, you know, it's a hard thing to wake up from. That's why there are so many what we call the normies on the show.
because it's a it's a huge red pill to swallow to realize that just so much of this is a lie that the government's not there to look after you and make sure you're safe and take care of your best interests, but it's actually this criminal enterprise that's off trying to get away with the biggest heist they can pull off, they can manage, exploiting the system in any way that they can, legal or otherwise. That's who these people are. Were there any other instances where there was physical abuse? I saw him smack girls with a belt so here's some more from andrew tate's past okay and i assume this is at one of his cam sites i think there's probably a girl in one of the rooms that uh, don't know what preceded this don't have ideas but he's holding a leather belt that's right lock the door you you knew i was gonna beat the out of you if you behaved, I wouldn't have to hit you, would I? You don't. Get out. You can't stay in there forever. Once again, this is an IQ test, right? Because yes. any guy who's bad with women would look at it and go, Tate's a woman beater. I say it. Look at the camera. This is what happens if you don't listen. Look at the camera. Why are you getting hit? Why are you getting beaten? I don't listen. You don't listen. You. Do as I say. Any man who's actually... Now... He's sitting there defending this, saying, no, this is normal, as he's whipping this woman with a belt and so forth. And, uh, okay, there are women who like uh, like physical abuse like that or that like to be spanked until they cry in some instances, usually because they have some kind of past trauma or whatnot, and it's like a release for them or something. Um, so is it possible this is some sort of role play Yes, but when you look at the rest of the context that he was basically pimping them out into his webcam business and using this romance technique to sleep, use his fame and good looks and so forth to sleep with them, bring them over, get them a bunch of alcohol and get them hooked on webcamming, making him money, that uh, I kind of have a real hard time believing that this is some kind of role play as he's trying to play it off as is like. You know, they want this. This is it, it, it's ridiculous. Actually, a G who's been around a little bit would look at the video and go, man, she loved she wants that. The media machine, they'd call up ex-girlfriends and say, if you have anything bad to say about Andrew, we can pay you $50,000 for the story. And they tried very hard. They didn't find any evidence of anything. And I had gone to the shower. I came back and I noticed he was I saw him raping her. And um, People say, why did in Romania? And I explained. And of course, his he's probably going to say, oh, well, that was role play, which that's another thing. It's called CNC, consensual non-consent. It's basically a, a rape role play that a lot of women are curious about and want to experience. I doubt, again, that's actually what's, what was happening here. I think this is more of him acting like a pimp, trying to keep his girls in line making him money so that he can keep exploiting them and putting hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, you think about what he was talking about on the show, guys getting home loans, emptying their life savings, hoping to meet these girls who were not even girls. They were scam artists that he was paying to actually interact with the guys. 
And he had four locations, 75 girls doing that every single day. How much money do you think he raked in from that? Quite a bit. Jack's coming up here saying hello. Okay, let's keep going. My five reasons. One of them is the Me Too era. They go, oh, well, you're a rapist. I say, no, I'm not a fucking rapist. But I like the idea of being able to just say to, to do what I want. I like being free. And of course, they don't go out. They're not allowed out. You stay in Talking about the, the women house. His house. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly, what would you say, impressed by what he's done on the sex business front. It, it seems to me a bit on Jordan the Peterson talking about him. pimpy side, let's say. Yeah. I get called a pimp a lot, but I, and the reason I use the term is because I don't see it as a negative term. I see it as positively inspirational and motivating person. She has to respect you and love you and want to work with you. And that's done through positive pimp, positively inspirational and motivating person. I'm going to send you a book. It's okay. a guy called Pimpin' Ken, who's a street pimp in the 90s. And he wrote a book, uh, 50 Laws of the Game. And one of the laws of the game is a hoe without instruction is headed for destruction. They're accusing me of using the lover boy method, coercing them by being nice. Let me read you then what you have said about what you have done. Sure. You have said, my job was to meet a girl, go on a few dates, sleep with her, get her to fall in love with me to the point where she'd do anything I say and then get her on webcam so we, we could become rich together. I don't think that's what I personally said. I think that's, that's exactly what no, you said that's, on your that's, website. That's, that's, no, I've never said that. So yeah, on corporate.com, I have my PhD program. The, I think the belief is that you were charged with human trafficking. Yeah, that's human trafficking because what you do is you force a girl to work against her will for financial gain. That's human trafficking. And their justification for this is that girls do TikTok. Some girls I know who they found who say they're not victims have TikTok accounts. Uh, PhD is a pimp and hose degree that I'm um, clever. And that Hilarious, isn't it? I mean, how many of you still find him credible after seeing his past and what he was doing and the story that he's spinning, the swan song that he's singing for Tucker Carlson? It is a complete load of crap. It is like, uh, made-for-TV drama based on a true story in the loosest sense of the term. Some of the things that he's saying are true, but it's ignoring a lot of what he was doing, a lot of the evidence that is out there. So, yeah, he's he's not, not a great guy. Sorry to burst your bubble. If you are naive enough to believe that there are good guys and bad guys in wars, and it's as simple as good and bad, and that the bad guys are crazy, and the good guys want freedom, then you need to do a little bit more investigation into what's really happening. And when you look at the vested interest of any country or any person- Can I, can I just ask you to pause and just comment? That's the truest thing, what you just said. That is the, and anyone who doesn't understand that- Yep, Putin's a gangster. <laughs> and I mean it, having seen war. Anyone who's telling you that it's Churchill versus Hitler, is an idiot. You just have to be critically thinking. And then after you're critically thinking, you have to be brave enough. And this is the real pandemic of the world is cowardice. You have to be brave enough to look around you and realize, ah, everything was a trick. Everything was a lie. But why not be a coward? I mean, it's just a lot easier, right? Well, it used to be. This is the thing that's interesting. I would actually argue in the 1950s and 60s, if you were to agree with every single narrative and obey every single law and do exactly what you were supposed to do and pay your taxes, et cetera, you'd at least get a wife who respected you. You'd at least have children who could go to school without being indoctrinated to a degree. Yeah. You could have a nice house. You could have a pickup truck. 
you could have a pretty good life. You know why? Because they had sound money. In the 60s, they were still on, you know, they still had sil- uh, coins that were made with silver. They had, still had silver, precious metals, backing the dollar because it had that value still in it. That's all been extracted. That's how they siphoned out our way of life by printing and printing and running up this $30 trillion deficit. They've made the dollars, so many of them sloshing around now that they're just not worth what they used to. And that's why you have people falling off the American dream wagon, you know, not able to make it, not able to afford the rent for the apartment or the down payment for the house. The housing market is in absolute shambles right now because the interest rates are going up. You've got probably 700,000 real estate agents that are going to lose their job in the next few years because the market's going to tank. And you've got a Fed that doesn't want to admit that, or, or I guess real estate agents that don't want to admit it's the payment that matters. It's not that the interest rates are too high. It's that the housing prices are uh, sorry that the it's that the housing prices are too high, basically that they have to come down because they got inflated by the low interest rates, by the easy money policy. And that's gone. And guess what? So is that value. If you just followed the rules. Yes. I don't think that's true anymore. Go along I think get that along. if you were a man, especially, and this is what I talk about, I talk about masculine issues. If you're a man who was born and you decide to do exactly as you're told, you're going to end up depressed, in debt, working a job that you hate, with a wife who doesn't respect you, with kids who don't listen to you, in a house you don't own, until you, she leaves you, and then you contemplate suicide a while, and maybe you might find some purpose towards the end, enough to survive and pay your taxes, and then you're gone. I don't think a man who just follows the programming is going to find any happiness. People say, Andrew, why are you fighting this war? And they don't understand that war is certain. You either fight war against injustice and you fight war against the things you know that are wrong and you feel good inside of yourself, or you accept the slave programming and fight a war with your own mind. You have to fight something. I can shut up and believe what I'm told in the news, but then I won't. Why am I so unhappy all the time? Why am I depressed? Mm -hmm. Why does my life suck? Why does my woman ignore me? Why do my children not respect me? You're fighting a war. Then you're fighting a war with your own mind. I'd rather have all of me on side and fight against what I know is genuinely evil. You can't escape the battle. The battle's here for all of us. So I've made- You have to have purpose in your life. You know, this is what I ran into when I was in the corporate world where I loved my job the first few years and then it kind of changed and it wasn't the same environment anymore. And, you know, I was making lots of money and traveling and getting to see the world and I would go, but I, I was just so bored. I would go on these trips and then just go shopping because I wanted to kill some time because I was bored to death and like I had the money to spend on stuff, but I just wasn't happy with my life because I was lacking that purpose. I was lacking uh, doing something meaningful that like I felt like made a difference at the end of the day. And that's what he's talking about. When you have that kind of purpose in your life, it transforms the way you feel, the way you think about things, the way you view the world. Made my decision and that's why I can't be quiet because you just said I would lose my self-respect and I'd lose my dignity and I don't think I can function that way as a man and I don't think any man should be able to function without self-respect and dignity. The reason men died on the Titanic was for self-respect and dignity. They went into the icy cold water and died because they would feel honorless 
if they jumped on the boat and left the women That's to right. die. That's right. So when you have self-respect and dignity, you have a hard parameter and you'll do things that which are deemed crazy or insane because you believe in them and you stick up for yourself. And that's why they don't want men to have self-respect and dignity. Rather be a free man in your grave. Absolutely. So um, I can't be quiet and I'm gonna say what I believe is true. And I genuinely believe I'm helping the world. I think that any young man who is guy. a follower of mine, I will argue there's no influencer on the planet besides me who is genuinely benefiting their life. I know you're not big on the... <laughs> Doesn't Ben, uh, uh, doesn't he make some of these same kind of comments about how he's he's the one helping the crypto community? Like they always love, and so same with um, with Richard Hartwin. Yeah, he he brags about how much he gives to charity. That automatically makes him a good person because he's taking some of the the money that he conned people out of with his hex scam or with his hex scheme or heart scheme, as I call it, and gives it to charity. That automatically absolves him of all of his sins. And, of course, what do you know? Tate does the same thing. It's like these guys have a playbook where they they just, I, I, I don't get it. You know, I'm also reminded um, when he got arrested, him and his brother, they were doing like the Illuminati hand signs and symbols like that as they were being perp walked out to the police car. They knew that would get press coverage. I think they're trying to like manipulate the system like that. That's what that was. I think they were like, well, let's flash those hand signs. It might cause some confusion and might have us get out of jail because somebody doesn't know what it means. And I guarantee you that's probably his thought process and why they did that because he is a, I think a very manipulative person. And that's what this whole interview is one giant manipulation into believing his worldview over reality. Internet. I look at these other streamers and these other influencers. They play video games all day. They smoke weed on stream. They talk garbage. It's a bunch of drama back and forth like girls. I'm the only influencer or streamer who's genuinely talking about making money because you need to have money to escape the matrix. It's very it's hard true. to resist enslavement when you have to pay the bills. Getting physically strong because a strong body is a strong mind. Standing up for yourself self-motivation, all these things. I'm talking about genuinely positive things. Very few people are. And I think that is an extremely important message that needs to be told. And I'm not going to stop doing it because I know I'm genuinely helping the world. And they're going to try and punish me for it for the rest of my life. I think, I think this is just beginning. And I think when I beat this case, which I believe I will beat, I think something else is going to come. And it's kind of scary because I am a little bit afraid and a little bit intimidated by the incompetence of my enemy because their standardized playbook is now failing in real time. The standardized playbook is the media attack, the lie, and it's not working anymore. And it got, got me a little bit worried about what the next move is. You used to just be able to lie about a guy all over the news and you win, right? But now it's like, shut up. So now what? I don't know. Um, and that's what's kind of scary in my, in my scenario, because nobody's going to believe any of the crap they print about me. Nobody believes it. Nobody believes it. Whenever I do an interview with the Matrix media, they don't, nobody believes it. They have to turn the comments off. Because everyone in the comments are just ripping them apart. That's 100% correct. The paradigm has changed. They don't have an effective answer. I think their approach to, well, shut it down, Elon steps in. That, that was working, right? Because they silenced people like me and thousands of others. Uh, it's still going on on Facebook, on Instagram, on some of the other platforms. I mean, even Linktree deplatformed me <laughs> because of my content. 
Linktree. All I did was list links to people finding my work and they came in and deplatformed me. So did uh, Spotify. I took the podcast out of their feed. So like it was working and then Elon comes in, buys it and throws that all into upheaval. And now it's, it's worse than just, well, they can't sick their mainstream media attack dogs on it. And then the problem goes away. Now they're actually getting called out for what they're doing. So it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's made it even worse because not only can they not get away with pushing their propaganda and their methods of silencing people, but they get exposed every time they come out and try something these days because so many people are awake to what's going on. And it's only a matter of time before that critical mass is reached and it forces change. When I say depression isn't real, I'm saying that because I don't. Hold on. There's, there's like uh, five more clips here. Uh, I want to go through those, but uh, there were a couple comments in here. <laughs> I don't think someone's uh, saying about Tate jo- Joseph here. I don't think real men exploit women for their own profit. I agree. He says he's playing Tucker. He's going home after the interview to check his payments for the day. How did Tucker get into this? What's his angle? I think Tucker is really kind of like a fanboy. Well, you know, watching the interview, he's almost giddy at times uh, interacting with Tate. I think he likes the guy and probably was blinded to some degree uh, to, you know, like some of the clips and things that we played of him hitting women and threatening them and so forth and talking about how he pimps women out and tricks them into, you know, as he's describing this lover boy technique to Tucker playing this swan song, like he's just clueless and doesn't understand it. If anybody on spaces wants to jump in and share an opinion about uh, Tate, you can request the mic and I'll bring you up real quick and we'll keep going. Uh, file sender is saying here, Tate has done much for me. I was in a hard time financially. I ended up making $14 on my own through his methods. And he helped me turn my life around with his hustlers university. Look, I, I agree. I like what he's saying. And that's kind of been the point of this show. Like so much of what he's talking about, I think it's dead on. Unfortunately, he's a shit messenger and a hypocrite and not following his own advice. And he's trying to deceive us into believing this narrative about his past, which is clearly false. Apparently Trump's going on Tucker next. Well, that'll be interesting. Okay. I take accountability for everything in my life, even going to jail, although it was unfair. (laughs) You see that? When somebody touches their nose, when you're a kid, the, the, where this body language comes from, when you're a kid and you're telling your lie, you're covering your mouth. Usually they'll, they'll put their hand over their mouth because you know, they're, they're uncomfortable with their body telling the lie. So kids do this kind of thing where they hold their hand and I didn't eat the cookie. Well, as you grow older, that morphs into a nose touch. You reach up and you touch your nose and that expresses self-doubt. What is he jumping into talking about how he's hundred percent accountable and look what he's doing. I take accountability for everything in my life, even going to jail, although it was unfair, Uh although it's a matrix attack, although it's garbage, it was my fault. I sat there and go, what did I do wrong? How can I learn from this? Where did, where is my part to play in this? What did I do? Because my now 
100% right here, I agree with him. And the way that I describe this is perspective. You are, okay, two things. When it when everything happening in the world you create, when you come from that perspective, that mindset of I am 100% responsible for it all, for everything around me, you live in possibility. Because if it's your fault, if it's your action or inaction that created it, then now you can come up with, okay, well, what could I do to change that? So you are a hundred percent in possibility when, oh, it's, that's not me. I don't have anything to say about that, about what happens in Africa and, you know, with this situation. Well, then you exclude possibility. It's out of your hands. It's not, doesn't have anything to do with you. It's out of your control. It's somebody else's problem. So by having that kind of mindset, that is like the ultimate, I guess, place of responsibility, but also standing in possibility for you, for your life. So the more you can adopt that perspective of being 100% responsible for it all, I think the more effective you'll be out in the world. Because for that one simple reason, simple fact, you're standing in possibility with that mindset. And that's kind of what he's describing there. Actions are what I have the most control over. I have self-accountability for everything. If a woman doesn't want to sleep with me, I don't sit and say, ah, women are this way, society's that way. I just sit and say, okay, why? What can I change? So any man who's loading up porn needs to go have a long conversation in the mirror and realize that he's not desirable or as desirable as he should be or could be. Correct. I agree. Of course, at the same time, anything in moderation like, you know, you can drink too much, you can do drugs too much, you can do these things in moderation, and generally it's okay. When I think it starts having negative impacts on your life, uh, you're not doing things that you would otherwise be doing because of this addiction or attraction to it or whatever, that that's when it becomes a problem and you should think about changing it. We talk about why men don't get married anymore. I can tell you why I wouldn't want to get married in America. I don't see the point in being married to a woman who's had so many partners before me that she can't properly pair bond with me and then giving her the opportunity to financially destroy me. Um, well, what about you, Andrew? I mean, your strategy was to have sex with these women before you turned them into cam models working for you. And you had 75 at one time you figure with some attrition and some of them quitting and moving away. That number is probably a hundred. So there's likely a hundred women that you fucked, uh, in addition to, I guess the other ones in your life. So are you unable to pair bond with a female? Are you a good catch? Cause it doesn't sound like it. Right. I think that would be a bad chess move. And I do believe in marriage. I think society would be better if everyone was married. I'm saying that if you're living in a immoral society, being a moral person, if you're not careful about it, you can get wrecked. If the game is rigged, you'd be very careful if you play it. So how do we encourage men to get married? Well, they need. I'd say you don't because it's a three-party contract between you, the person you love and the state and the state gets to come along and change the rules whenever they like. It is a failed idea that sets you up for whatever kind of torture they want to put you through. And the system is completely biased generally against men in the favor of women. And the simple fact is marriage is not a one size must fit all contract. 
that we should be in, in a free society. We should have the choice to choose the type of marriage, the type of separation. Should we need it? of what rules would apply, what kind of things would go on. But today we get this nonsense system that's been manipulated and, and used by the government to enrich themselves because, you know, all of these lawyers and so forth, they make money, they lobby the state for these laws and endless alimony and all kinds of other nonsense when the reality is we need to get the government out of marriage. We need a decentralized marriage have different contracts that people can choose from and decide what works best for them. That's what would happen in a so-called free society. To be worth marrying, but so do the women. If you sit 100 men and 100 women down in front of propaganda, I believe that women are more likely to believe a lot of that. I think a lot of liberals are female. They're more emotional. And, they're, and it's easier to convince them of something if you use an emotionally-led argument, right? So... If by extension 100%. you now have women who are emotionally led, who are being convinced and their logic is failing because they're being tricked with an emotionally led argument, and the man they're meeting has no principle and no honor, and he can't resist that, she's in charge of the house, well, now she's telling the man what to do, right? If I would have come home during COVID and my woman said, you need to wear a mask, I'd say, no, I don't. End of conversation. Where if I was a simp, you need to wear a mask. Okay, baby. Don't. All right. So... <laughs> that was a battle that I had with my ex-wife during the whole COVID thing. The agreement was that our daughter would wear a mask anytime she goes inside or anything like that. One day I'm dropping her off with her mom, come out of the Bucky's at this giant gas station uh, with my daughter. Cause you know, I can't leave her in the car to go to the bathroom or anything like that because that's, Oh no, you'd be a horrible father if you did something like that. So I took her in, but I wasn't wearing a mask. Well, she assumed that I would automatically be wearing a mask, but I was not having that. And she decided at that point that I was a bad father and stopped letting me spend time with my daughter for a long time because I took that stand. And I'm still dealing with those consequences um, just because it's the path that I chose, you know? So the women are also a lot largely in charge of the PSYOP. Because the men are so desperate to get any kind of connection with a real person and avoid the porn screen. And then these women are being controlled by the mass media as a whole. I say this to, uh, I have children, I don't talk about it often. But I say to the mothers of my children, and I say, look, either we program their minds or society does. Who do you believe mm -hmm. in? Everyone is being programmed by somebody and something. Me, you, everybody. We're all programmed by someone. To sit and think you're above programming is, is incorrect. What you have to do is sit and say, does the person who's programming genuinely have my best interests at heart? What do they want me to believe? Why do they want me to believe it? What happens if I believe what they want me to believe? Where does this lead? That's all we can do. We're all programmed. We're all the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. Right. Right? So if you... That's 100% dead on as well is... Those are the kinds of questions that I ask that give me the perspectives that I have that I think some of you enjoy listening to is it's because I'm looking at, well, what are their motivations? Not what they say, what they're, we're doing this for the children. I'm like, okay, well, how do you benefit from it? What are you about to gain? What's the upside for you personally? Because that's what motivates people. That's what motivates these governments and why they're 
they just are going to grow bigger and more oppressive over time because it's a function of their design. You have women with no father, no strong masculine influence. Who's programming them? The Kardashians and the news, the internet, porn stars. They want the woman in charge and the man below with no backbone because if the woman's in charge, they can emotionally affect her. They can scare her. You can scare a woman easier than you can scare a man, a man. A real man's hard to scare. A woman you can make afraid of the vaccine, right? Be afraid, COVID, be scared. If she's in charge of the household, I would argue in nearly any household where the female was dominant, everyone's vaccinated. I would argue that point hard. Yep, ex-wife took the booster. She was spraying down packages with Lysol on the front porch, outside in the sun, <laughs> where viruses last a fraction of a second. She was out there spraying them down, probably opening them with some elaborate procedure involving masks and gloves. And Oh, yeah. They are manipulated. <clears throat> and I think he's making a great point there as well. This is all about destroying the family unit, breaking things down, breaking people's will, making men weak. And it also it feeds into that whole uh, Peter, whatever it is, story uh, book about kind of the population declining and uh, we, you know, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create bad times, and the cycle repeats every 80 years. We're in that weak men create hard times. We're in those hard times, and it's going to drive sort of the next crop of strong men to stand up and say, no, we're not having this. We're doing something different, and that's the phase that I think we're going into, and that's like, what are you guys waiting for? really to stand up and start sharing these ideas and talking to people about what's happening to our society, how it's being stolen from us, how it's being demolished from within, destroyed from within because they're not going to stop. And it, you know, we have to start speaking up. We need strong men who can come out and speak truth to power. He's dead on there. I don't know how America's gonna maintain its influence over the entire planet when it's doing all this it's garbage. Not. How long can this possibly last? Not long. Not long. It's like the fall of Rome. The fall of Rome, everything became decadent. Endless sex and orgies. No one had enough faith in the state to join the army anymore. And people talk about barbarians destroying. Endless corruption, endless politicians, running, ringing the cash register, feeding money, from the coffers of the state into their own pockets, into the pockets of their friends, using it to punish their enemy. It's the same story. And they talk about, we need a revolution. No, you want to revolve around and leave this for future generations to deal with again? And maybe they lose? Or you want to actually be a man, Tate, and solve this problem and approach it logically instead of from inside the box that both him and Tucker are stuck in that, well, we have to have the government without the government. It would be Mad Max, which is just utter nonsense. In Rome, Rome was destroyed from the inside. That's what happens. And it, we're, we're witnessing it in real time. And we have all these problems on earth. And then they want to spend millions and millions of dollars on an investigation to prove that I'm a human trafficker for TikTok. I think that the whole point. And that was another thing that he does is 
at least I think it was six times through this hour and a half interview that he did, he tied back to, well, they're trying to, you know, a statement almost exactly like that. They're trying to make me out to be the bad guy because I want a few pennies from TikTok when he knows that's an absolute misrepresentation of the charges against him, of the claims against him, but he's trying to gaslight all of us with this load of bullshit. Point of having children as a whole is to instill them with your worldview. Then I want them to be a representation of me, which means they should believe in my values and my creeds. Why is a group of people in New York walking around telling me what they're going to teach my kids and what my kids should believe? They're not your kids, they're my kids. Right. And that's what's so scary because children are impressionable and children are raised by the state and the internet effectively, which is why they want me off the internet. They want our kids. They want to keep more and more from our kids. And that's one of the whole things with this gender ideology and teachers talking about, well, it's a safe space. You can come to me and I won't tell your parents. And if you, and they will actually help them defy the wishes of their parents behind the parents back. I mean, this is, it's serious. And, and, and really the solution is not, well, we got to force that. We got to fire these bad teachers and do this and do that. No, the solution is we've got to end government education of our children because they abuse it. They are trying to manipulate us. They are trying to reduce the population. They are trying to turn these kids into thinking that they're the problem, that they are the reason the climate is so bad. And and the whole thing is a giant lie. The whole thing is a giant lie. And that's what we covered in the, what ended up being the last show six weeks ago was the ethical skeptics sort of supposition that it's the earth's core that's driving this heat that it's coming from the ground. And there was a ridiculous article talking about the, the pipes in the ground and basements from people's houses are heating up the ground. And that's why the climate is changing because man's, and it's just so obvious that they're there pushing this, what he calls the Omega hypothesis where pieces come up that don't fit like hey the oceans are getting far hotter than the atmospheric warming model can explain what could be going on and so they come up with some stupid reason that doesn't really explain it or address it now the ground is heating up under chicago it's four or five degrees warmer than what we're seeing elsewhere same thing we're seeing in the oceans by the way but oh well it's pipes from people's basements heat from people's basements going into the ground absolute bullshit but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how absurd it gets. Remember that whole thing with the mass formation. These people have bought into the narrative and the, the machine is moving forward with man is to blame. Everything you do is bad. We've got to start eating bugs and reducing the population and, uh, you know, just do what we say and everything will be fine. How many fingers, Winston? That's where they're taking us. You want to look at like the ideal society for a government. I remember uh, in Keene, New Hampshire, they built a new prison and they did an open house before it was open to let the public come in that paid for it. And like they had these little intercoms on every wall and they had the, the panopticon, which is, it's this control room with tinted windows inside so they can see out, but you can, you can never see who's in the control room. And it's controlling all the doors and whatnot. And like 100% guarantee you, 
that every one of those intercom systems is recording audio from the cell 24 seven, storing it back in the control room, the panopticon there so that if they need to go back and listen to something to find something incriminating, they can do that. That's the ideal, uh, control system that they want for us. The government would implement for us because it's what they do in their prisons. If they could get away with it, they would. And largely they have, what do you think this thing's doing? You carry it around willingly. Most of the time switched on, given your location and all sorts of other information. I'm obviously a Muslim. I'm Islamic. What most people don't understand about a lot of the Islamic world is that a lot of these things are outlawed, right? But people say, ah, so gay people can't go there. If you go to Dubai, you will see gay people. You can t- if a guy wants to be gay and do whatever he wants to do with a full-grown man in his own house, I don't care. And you can tell. You might have a waiter. Now, that may be true, but there are people getting hung, beaten, thrown off roofs, all sorts of other things because they're gay in these countries. So I don't know why he's going off trying to misrepresent this as well. It's gay, whatever, etc. The only reason it's outlawed is not to stop a man, full-grown man meeting a full-grown man and doing what he decides to do. It's outlawed to prevent it bleeding into society and affecting the culture where the children are affected. That's why it's outlawed. And I'm not saying it should be outlawed in America, but what I'm saying is if you're not going to protect the innocence of children from any ideology, and if the ideology is deliberately targeting children because children are more impressionable and more capable of believing in things which simply aren't true, perhaps he's dead man, on here. a man looking like a woman or vice versa, then that is a dangerous ideology that should be very closely examined. Any ideology which is waking up and saying, our worldview is so extreme, the only way we can truly ensure it exists into the future is to find the most susceptible people on the planet to program and attack their minds, children. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a destructive ideology and should be very closely looked at. And it doesn't matter if it's LGBTQ or anything else. Bingo. I think if you sit children down and, and, and pump propaganda into their brain and that's the only way you can get what you want, then there's probably something wrong with your ideas because you're afraid to challenge them with a, a grown adult. You don't want a fair fight. But I do think that children have to at least be the bottom line for society. That's the future. And if you have children at home, you're raising them. You don't owe their minds to anybody else. You don't owe it. So there has to be a point where you stand up and say, no, I raised this child. It's my child. That's my child. It's not yours. All of this garbage is just the result of the very simple, easy lives that we have. Inside the movie, The Matrix, which I recommend you watch, the agents say, we tried to create a utopia for the human mind so that your mind is in a utopian state and your body can just be used. But the human mind rejects utopia. We created the world in 1999 at the pinnacle of human civilization before machines took over because the human mind. Remember uh, Westworld and what they did there is the same thing. Remember the watch, the wristwatch that had the circle thing with the lines that popped up? Those were the divergence. Those were the people who didn't take the programming and had to be dealt with. They moved them to this, you know, mental institution to get them out of society so that they would stop disrupting the programming. It's all about the programming. 
and he's one of the divergents, uh, you know, disrupting the programming of the masses. That's why he must be dealt with. In struggle and it needs problems, otherwise it rejects it. Yes. And I kind of feel like there's a whole bunch of people trying to just find problems and find struggle in their lives because they don't have enough motivation to do something that's genuinely difficult, like, you know, help people. But they can't live in this state of complete vegetation. That's so right. then they wake up and say, oh, I'm oppressed. Ah, my pronouns. How much energy must it take <laughs> to go through life trying to correct every person you interact with? I'm a man. To call you Z. Sir. I, think of the calories burnt. I can't think of a bigger waste of time. Think of the calories burnt. Every Starbucks employee, I was actually Z. Correct. <laughs> you are a moron. And you are just wasting so much energy. You could put that towards something beneficial. You could volunteer. You could, do, you could go to the gym. You could, there's so much more you could do with walk, instead of walking around and talking about Z. You sound like a dumbass. But they're just finding struggle because they don't have any actual important struggle in their lives. No purpose. And that's why it only exists in the decadent West. Do you think the coming famine will change that? I, absolutely. I would argue that when the famine comes, I think all these feminists will look for a strong man of resource who is stoic, who has a good network, who's capable and important and respected. When the famine comes, the closer reality gets toward... Or, you know, like maybe one with a farm and like gardening experience electrical engineer who knows how to fix electronics that would be helpful if only y'all knew somebody like that huh ladies it's baseline survival the closer we become towards our gender roles because it's the only way we can be competitive freeze dryer if you took 10 men and 10 women and stranded them on a desert island the men would be men and the women would be women because water 12 water tables only 12 feet under the ground huh that's that's a bonus right there they didn't they would die that's the bottom line and I think that if you look at history, since the dawn of time, men were masculine and also men by and large were generally ruling the society, not in an oppressive way, but in a protective way. Well, I agree with that. It's also going to be subject to the same kind of corruption and, and graft and so forth. We could argue it's down to testosterone level. I don't know if you ever saw the study which linked people's testosterone level to their ability and capability to disagree with something. So the bottom, they did a study, which is pretty self-explanatory. The higher your testosterone level, the more likely you are to disagree with a point. And the reason for that is, is because, especially in older times, if you're going to disagree with something, you had to fight over it. Yeah. If you're going to say no to somebody or some tribe or some person, there's a, very light, there's a high chance that you're going to have to fight that person. You have to defend your idea. If you don't have the propensity or the capability to defend your idea, then why would you go against the ideas of the people who are stronger than you? So reducing testosterone levels make men more compliant and more complacent because we're less likely to say no because we can't defend what we think. Why would we say you're wrong, but we can't do anything about it? We might as well just say, well, then you're right. Might makes right. Right. So reducing testosterone levels in men is something which I believe they're trying very hard to do. And if you read the studies, they're... Of course, look at what's happened with the, uh, the COVID so-called vaccines. And what they're what uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Bukharach or Bukharat or Bhakti, I can't I think it was Bhakti. Look at what he did with the sperm and found it's loaded with spike. There's hardly any sperm here. It's all spike protein being ejected, exfoliated from the body. They're succeeding. Testosterone levels have gone off the off the edge, off the cliff. 
And even and, more and so with these my shots. Question, uh, Remember the modal counts and everything else. Yep. Or, do you think it's inevitable? And what would its effects be? CBDCs are inevitable and they're scary. They're super scary because it's the final absolute realm of control. I mean, they're already removing cash from society. I think they say that just because they want to be able to trace things easier. And that's certainly part of it. But I also have another theory on it. Uh, I think if you have a $50 bill and I give it to the, the barber for my haircut and then he goes and buys groceries with it from the grocer and the grocer goes and gets his car washed, the $50 goes from place to place. And after 20 or 30 transactions, the $50 bill belongs to somebody and it's worth $50. Whereas if I pay by card, 1.5% goes to the bank. And then if he takes the money I've given him and pays for the groceries, 1.5% goes to the bank. And after the groceries have been paid for, when he goes to get his car washed, 1.5% goes to the bank. So after 20 or 30 transactions, the $50 is gone, the bank has it all. I think that's why they're so desperate to get rid of cash. It's interesting. CBDCs are the next level because once the money's completely... See, and, and that's a brilliant point. That's the first time I've heard it. I don't know if he came up with it or if it was a meme that somebody generated, but 100% correct. This is a way of guaranteeing when they, when they can eliminate cash and put in a CBDC or something that everything becomes a transaction that they can charge a transaction fee on. That's guaranteed perpetual income because all the slaves have to use your money. And what is crypto? Crypto is the escape hatch to that system. That is why the SEC came down and, and cracked down on Ripple and XRP and while they're pushing Bitcoin and Ethereum, which they can manipulate and control. It's all about keeping you inside the box. Digital, then they control everything you do with it. They control where it goes, but they can also control how and when it can be spent. Imagine some terrible future dystopian society where your money arrives and they say it can only be spent on food or it can only be spent on vegetables because you've had too much meat this week. Or you can't buy transport to a particular area because there's resistance to government oppression in that area. We saw that in Hong Kong. Remember the train passes that weren't working? or the, Sorry, the subway passes that weren't working because people were going to the protest? Or in China where there were people protesting the bank that had failed and closed their accounts? And what did they do? Turned all their phones red. Turned their COVID passport red. Now they can't get back into their apartment. They're marked for arrest. That's the future that these dystopian maniacs have in store for you and your children. A world of complete control, complete domination, where they can pull the levers and get whatever outcome they want. They want to shut you off from society. Fine, done. They want to find you guilty and find you and take all your money, boom, few keystrokes. That's the future. How many fingers, Winston? Well, sorry. I have to back we could argue here. it's down to testosterone level. I don't know if you ever saw the study, which is for the groceries, 1.5% goes to the bank. How and when it can be spent. Imagine some terrible future dystopian society where your money arrives and they say it can only be spent on food. Or it can only be spent on vegetables because you've had too much meat this week. Or you can't buy transport to a particular area because there's resistance to government oppression in that area.
So the, your, your money won't work for trains right now because nobody can go down there because we don't want everyone in a large group. We want everyone at home in their pods. And they can track everywhere it goes and they can also track how it's spent and they can control how it's spent. They can put a time limit on it. You have an hour to spend this money. So by keeping your money enslaved, they can keep you enslaved. You've got to eat. They don't want men to be financially free. If you're financially free, if you have enough money in the bank, you can one day go, you know what? I don't want your money. Even me now to this day, I've done enough and I'm successful enough that they, it's very hard for them to buy me. They come along, well, I would never sell my soul anyway because it's not who I am as a person. But if I was destitute, they could come along and say, Andrew, you have all this influence. We're going to change your message. You're going to say this and we'll give you 10 million. Uh, okay. You can't buy me. Can't buy Trump. He's rich already. He's rich, he's rich and he's 80, 70 something. You think he needs more money? He doesn't care about money. They don't like that. So being financially free in and of itself is now an act against the government because this whole idea that they want everyone to be rich and it's fantastic for the society, I'd actually argue against that. They don't want that. They want everyone destitute because when you're destitute, you need the government to feed you. And it's very hard to fight against the government who's feeding you. It's very hard to resist the people who give out the bread. Yeah. Every government on earth, all of them, in all of their different forms, China, which says it's communist and is capitalist and all the different in-betweens to the capitalist West, every government on earth is slowly encroaching on trying to become as controlling as powerful as, as possible. They all, they they all, all want to be the as same controlling as possible over their citizens. That's why. Communism is the end result of the most control a government can have effectively or some version of communism. But every single government on earth is slowly trying to get there bit by bit. And the only thing that resists them getting there is the populace and how much the populace will accept. And depending on how malleable the populace is depends on how quickly they get there. But every government wakes up it's kind of like AI. Have you ever heard the robots going to destroy us all because yeah. they wake up and go, we don't need the humans anymore? Their end goal is just survival. If a government is the same as an entity, its, its end goal is more and more control. And that's all they're trying to do every single day with every law they pass, with the climate change law. They don't care about the environment. They want more control. Of course. And the more and more control they get, the, the final end result, if you give them what they want, is absolute slavery for everybody. So you have to be very careful because that is their ideal government. The ideal government is where everyone complies, everyone obeys, everyone's controlled. We know everything about everybody. Everyone's monitored. And it's slavery. That's the only way to get that state. So even making money, making... But you know, we need slavery or it would be really horrible. Enough money to have an opinion is an act of, of rebellion. It's crazy. Andrew Tate. Thank you very much, my friend. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So that was it, or a, a decent chunk of it. There's, there's more to it. Um, yeah. Wow. Like I said, I, I love some of the things that he's got to say. At the same time, he, he's a horrible messenger because he's got this past that he'd like to forget. I, I think he's probably a different person now than he was you know, 10 years ago when he was running his PhD pimping program, <laughs> which made him rich. And so here's yet another example of somebody who got rich by taking shortcuts. He made his money at the expense of other people rather than to the benefit of other people. And I, now I think that it is coming back to bite him. Just, and, and probably rightly so you know he talks about lessons and god and this and that and 
everything happening for a reason. I, I think he's got some karma to deal with, at least in some some shape, form, or fashion. Okay, I also want to point you, if anybody's got comments, you want to jump in and share your thoughts. This cat's going to drive me crazy. Share your thoughts on uh, what's happening or what, what you think about Andrew Tate and so forth. You're welcome to jump in, request the mic. I'm going to play this little clip from Janet Yellen talking about, you know, the, the dollar fuente. It goes to Andrea Schall from Reuters. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Um, the uh, Russian uh, government has announced that the, uh, it, it will launch a BRICS currency in August, and I wonder if you had a chance to speak with the Chinese about that effort. You've spoken here and in, in other venues about not wanting to see any countries being forced to choose sides. This particular <laughs> move would create essentially a parallel currency to the U.S. as the world's reserve currency. Can you, you know, come up in your conversations? And you also talked about the um, head of the POC. The Chinese government has not yet announced that he will be taking place. Is it your understanding that Pan, Pan will take over as central bank governor? Thank you. So on the currency issue, I just want to reiterate what I've said in the, the talking point asked, which is I think the United States can rest assured that the dollar is going to play the dominant role in international uh, transactions, facilitating international transactions, and um, serving as a reserve currency in the years ahead. Um, I don't see that role being threatened by any development, um, including the one, one that you've mentioned. Uh, I've said previously and would reiterate that um, because of the role of the dollar and its um, ability to enable us to um, implement sanctions, there certainly is motivation in countries around the world to find an alternative. But Okay, what is she talking about there? Well, so we have the SWIFT system, which is U.S. Uh, threatened. I guess they're under the thumb of the U.S. government because they threatened the board members with arrest if they didn't do implement the sanctions that they wanted. And as a result, uh, you know, that like she's trying to play it as well. It's just because they're trying to evade sanctions. That's not the case. If you've been watching this show for a long time, you'll remember there was a video that we covered of Putin on stage talking to a room full of people. I think it was, there was a reporter on stage with him. He was talking about the, the dollar, the role of the dollar, exactly this subject and what did he say if you remember it was the u.s are our friends they're our allies but they're really shooting themselves in the foot what did he mention out of control spending has that i mean we went from 20 trillion when he said that to 30 trillion now i don't think we're getting spending under control the other thing he mentioned all of their unfunded liabilities you know all the pensions and government benefits and promises that were made that are completely there's no way they're going to be able to fulfill those uh and he he pointed out all of those things hurt the stability and the credibility of the u.s government of the dollar and and he was saying this years ago this is a problem we're very concerned and they what did they do they started seeking out alternatives that's what BRICS is it's an it's an alternative to 
the global dollar reserve currency system. Okay. And of course, crypto plays in here as well. And this is where XRP comes in as the bridge asset to move between these. And she's talking about, well, they're trying to evade sanctions and this and that. They and the dollar strong. And I think she's going to cite like a 90% figure. I question that source, like where are you getting that number? Because we know that like China and India, China and Iran, Iran and Russia, uh, all of these countries over there have started trading oil in their national currencies. And, and you can do that to some degree before it starts to break down, but eventually they're going to need some kind of bridge asset. Now, are they creating another SDR like the IMF has? I don't know. Maybe. Um, maybe it will be a basket that includes crypto or something along those lines. But I think the important thing is just to recognize that this is bigger than just the sanctions. This is about the instability and the sort of house of cards that represents the dollar reserve currency uh, being threatened by like complete collapse. And they know that and they've been preparing for it. And uh, I think they're going to continue to gain steam. Uh, and, and I also see she's talking about, well, we wouldn't want any country have to, having to choose. So they're already setting up the battle lines. And what did I talk about in context of Ripple and their software RippleNet? I said, you know what? Ripple has shown their willingness to get down on their knees and swallow whatever the government wants to shove down their throat. And it wouldn't surprise me if BRICS nations created their own ripple net type software that would plug into the X XRPL to facilitate these kind of value exchanges. And that even if you had uh, ripple net and bricks net operating on say the same exchange, they're both going to benefit because they're sharing that liquidity when uh, say ripple net is looking to exchange money out for a transfer that's coming in Bricks might be trying to send some out so that they're going to sort of cancel out each other's liquidity or create each other's liquidity. So like I, I see that as a, a win-win for at least XRP holders and uh, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I, I still think something like that could definitely be in the cards and it wouldn't surprise me. Um, all the data of which I'm aware shows that the dollar is overwhelmingly close to 90% um, used in international transactions. And I don't think that there is uh, an alternative that could possibly displace that for the foreseeable future. Oh, um, for the well, foreseeable future. I, I, I don't know. I Who could have seen this coming? The complete collapse of the dollar as the global reserve currency. It just wasn't foreseeable. <laughs> we'll let, you know, it's up to the Chinese side that? to decide and announce their decision. But I, I did meet with um, the um, a acting governor or um, head of the PBOC at this point, um, and we had very good discussions. Yeah. Next question goes. Go along. They're not going to go along and just say, no, we're not going to use the BRICS system. And then what's the U.S. going to do about it? The answer is nothing. Nothing. Because they're not the superpower that they used to be. Because they've 
printed their country into debt. They've impoverished their people. They've gutted their wealth. Yeah, they're not the threat. The U.S. empire is not the threat that it once was. Especially when they're uh, kind of ganging up to, uh, to get rid of us or to knock the bully square in the nose. <coughs> okay, from chat here, someone's asking, <coughs> I have a comment about tape, but do I have to ask <coughs> anything about the recent Ripple Riddler development? Well, we can actually look at that. I've got it uh, right here. It's not really recent. This was from a while ago. Uh, there's a video so there's this RR account, 1200 XRP or 12,000 XRP on Twitter. And he's posted this Robert Kiyosaki video talking about gold and silver. And the bond market is systemic, as you know. I mean, I'm, I'm concerned about IRAs, pension plans and all that. So uh, this is more than it's I mean, it's, I'm, I'm concerned, should I say. And, you know, thank you for all these years letting me come on your program and say buy silver, buy gold. <laughs> because when I first heard it coming on, I think this was three dollars and this was fifty dollars, and now it's two thousand. It didn't get any bigger, Neil. Still, you know, no, it did not get any bigger. But but you know what's interesting? The Fed and the FDIC are signaling hyperinflation. And you see, there's a little green thing by gold, silver, and Bitcoin, right there. Of course, I told my ex-wife to buy silver. At I think fourteen dollars, it went down to back down to twelve, and she yelled at me, "How oh, how could you do that? This is terrible advice." Told her to buy Bitcoin at two fifty. She waited till it went to five fifty, bought, and then it went back to two fifty. And oh, how terrible! How could you tell me to buy this? <laughs> well, we know how that worked out. They both more than doubled. You know what's interesting? The Fed and the FDIC are signaling hyperinflation which makes gold and silver even better because this thing here is trash. They're going to print more and more of this fake money. And that's what the Fed and the FDIC is signaling. We're going to print as much of this as possible to keep the crash from accelerating. But they're the, they're the guys who are causing it. Bingo. Their policies have caused it. So here's one of the old uh, Ripple Riddler uh, riddles. And this was the chair where he's looking out at the future. And there's this bag of with the XRP symbol on it. And then these coins that are gold and silver. And he's got the three holding out three fingers. You like you need three things for the future. And it's XRP gold and silver or crypto gold and silver. Same kind of things. I would add cash to it. You're going to need some cash through the transition. These are all things in your possession. You hold the keys. You hold the, the physical metals because i don't think you can trust the banks and that sort of thing but nice little interesting thing there there's also um hold on let me escape out of that if you go back to this account there is a stay tuned right there i think that's the logo for the yeah it is so maybe there's more videos coming. I don't know. But this was um, posted March 22nd. I just missed it. I have tweet alerts set for this account. And then, but what caught my attention to it was when, it, when he uh, retweeted 
uh, someone saying, you know, this is RR, you know who RR is, and it's a it's a retweet of Rosie Rios, whose signature is on the dollar, and she works for Ripple now. And the fact that he retweeted that, it's like, hmm, it was that a was that a dot connecting is kind of what I'm wondering, or was that an intentional uh, thing or something that just kind of fell into place on its own? I'm not really sure, but interesting. So we'll see. Here's, you know, just a tweet from somebody, Darth Powell. He kind of watches the Fed and what they're doing Uh, slowly then all at once. That's a a famous quote about bankruptcy and how it happens. And it's in response to this tweet on our machinist or this is a Reddit thread. Customer went bankrupt before paying us close to 100K in losses. And it's showing a shelf full of some kind of custom CNC milled parts. And this is a manufacturer that spent a hundred grand producing all this stuff. And then the company went bankrupt and they're, well, they've got a bunch of parts that nobody needs anymore. And that's kind of what's happening here out in the real world. Another incident here that really caught my attention. Houston health officials report syphilis outbreak, 128% spike in cases among women. So if you remember when the shots rolled out, I kind of dropped out of the whole dating pool and this was the reason because we didn't know we had Dr. Cole's video talking about uh, T-cell counts dropping and people having these resurgences of viral outbreaks of HSV of uh, molluscum contagiosum of all kinds of things along those lines. We've got people, uh, you know, we had a listener whose dad reported, uh, tested po- 80 year old dad tested positive for HIV after being negative for years. And like, he's not out, uh, banging hose at 80, you know, um, a lot of this stuff is happening. And it, what also caught my attention about this, the fact that the spike is among women is if you remember the study that we looked at, uh, it was women that seemed to face a slightly higher risk probably because, no great way to say this they're getting loads of spike protein injected into them right or not inseminated into them or whatever potentially um so that kind of makes sense that women are disproportionately seeing the increase here at least in my mind it does and i think you know, there's just a, it's, it's really becoming undeniable. Of course, we've still got the propagandists out there pushing the idea that, oh yeah, you should still take your shot and this and that. But I think people are waking up to this in larger and larger numbers every day. People are seeing, wait a minute, something's happening. There's too many stars, too many athletes, too many people talking about this now and sort of coming around and starting to speak up that, uh, yeah. I think eventually the truth is going to come out. Okay. Uh, Oh, and also here's the ethical skeptic. He was talking about one hypothesis, which let me pause that bears explanatory power to accommodate these heat surge phenomenon. And it's not the current pop science one. Climate science is walking dead science. So he's talking about his theory of the earth being warmed from the inner core. And I asked him the question, <clears throat> what kind of solutions and strategies do you see for the, to the changes uh, over the next few years? 
Uh, I know we need a abyssal monitoring network to kind of figure out what's happening in the deep ocean and how that's going to affect climate, but what can individuals do to better position? And it kind of surprised me with his answer. He said, garden, learn how to rotate and condition soils, improve the six classes of microphilia in healthy humus, uh, bacteria, fungi, anti-atinobacteria, alpha protobacteria, nematodes, and protozoa. So he's, he's saying, you know, and there's another tweet from him talking about uh, the, the COVID showing kind of the COVID death wave. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. And uh, right here, there's a little COVID bump. And what he sees as the second wave is a giant wave of famine because of all the disruptions and things that this is causing to our society, along with declining populations. He's really saying, learn to grow food and try and survive what's coming for is going to be best bet for a lot of people. So pretty harsh uh, reality there, but it is what it is. Okay. There we go. I'm going to talk about uh, what happened in San Antonio. So um, those of you that can see it up on screen here, this is the apartment that uh, we got the call on. So I did Rose's podcast, I guess it was six or seven weeks ago now. Uh, and earlier in the day, I'd talked to my brother I did her podcast at like four o'clock or something in the afternoon. We finished that up and then I got the call from my brother. Hey, we got a 9 a.m. meeting with the PA who's the uh, public adjuster. This is like the uh, insurance agents have um, adjusters that work for them and they're trying to reduce the bill and you know do the minimum payout required or, or that's needed. And the public adjuster is on the side of the owner, of the property owner, the the investor, in this case, the billionaire that's funding this $100 million project. And uh, so we met with him, did a walkthrough. What happened in this building is a two-inch plumbing ball valve, like pushed out or broke somehow. I never got to see it. It was taken away. That happened on like a Saturday. They found the water Monday morning. <laughs> So it had gone from the third floor to the second to the first and flooded about 97,000 square feet is what we ended up treating. It was about 80 apartments. Some of these were almost done. Uh, some of them were in various stages of being done. Some of it was in the common area that they need to rent out the apartments that are done. And there's, you know, a hundred million dollar banknote with interest accruing daily and uh, this has thrown the schedule out weeks, so it was a it was a big project. It was a, a huge, huge undertaking. Um, so we went down that night. I can't remember what day that was, like a Tuesday or Wednesday. I think it was a Tuesday. And so the we drove down to Austin, spent the night with my brother's friend, and then drove into San Antonio the next morning. Did our walkthrough with the PA, kind of got the rundown, and then the next day we're there with a crew of i don't think i don't think it was only like six or eight guys but we've got them started on demo and so forth um and this is probably one of the more challenging jobs that i've done because we had all of these subcontractors coming in and 
do, trying to do their work while we're trying to remediate and seal things off and clean them really well and keep them sealed off until we can come back and get it dried out and, and bring in the um, hygienist to do the air quality testing to make sure we've gotten and treated all the mold and so forth. Because that's what happens. The water comes down. It starts to grow mold. In three days, you can't even walk around in there without coughing, and you need a respirator. So you have to cut all that out and get it all out of the building. You have to clean everything. And uh, on a job this big, it was like uh, we had about 40 or 50 guys within a few days uh, working on demo and just just a lot of grunt work. And so heading into, and of course my brother had his employee that came down. He came down and he had a consultant as well that lives kind of down there in that area. uh, That's a, a PA as well that used to work for this construction company and got us the job. So the, my brother's, so there's massive amounts of work to do in the beginning of this, getting everything organized, documented, starting all of the processes that we need to run through the whole thing. And my brother's employee, well, he had tickets to uh, Andrew Dice Clay on Friday, so he needed to leave Friday morning and he wasn't coming back till Monday. Uh, it's like you're in the restoration business. You don't really get days off. Brooks decided he needed to go first weekend. Oh, it's a holiday weekend. So they all left me there to stay and manage the crew of 50 without the infrastructure and so forth. So a lot of things didn't get done, but made it through. Some people eventually came back. Brooks, I think, came back before leaving the next holiday weekend for a family vacation for a week. Um, it was... Uh, like pretty chaotic and i picked out one guy who was bilingual he was there working um he he's in a picture here i'm gonna call him dopey uh there's a picture of one of the roads so that was absolute slop and we had to bring in rock and put down quicklime the stuff i was talking about with the holocaust that they were throwing people into pits of that dried all that out and uh made it so that we could drive our equipment back there um, this was the air, one of the Airbnbs that we got for a month. So we stayed there for a few days and then we ended up moving to another one to this one right here where we stayed for a week until we ended up moving to another one for a week. And then we eventually came back to this one. Well, the guy that I got dopey is right here. Uh, We let him and his crew of like six guys stay in this house right here, which was two blocks from the job site. My brother's like, oh, it's a great idea. We can keep an eye on them. It'll be fine. We can, you know, this was going to be our office as well to manage the job. And uh, (laughs) so we go over there to try and print some things out because we've got an office printer there at the house and so forth. And The guy who's dopey, who's running the cruise, he's the crew boss for me that I kind of picked. You got to like create some ranks pretty quick amongst the people. So you just, I randomly pick some people out that I think are showing some initiative and promote them and like see if they can handle it or whatnot. So he 
moved into this house. He took the master bedroom, which is fine. He invited his wife and kid to stay with him for the two weeks that they were there. I guess they didn't have anything to do or whatever. And that, that's fine. We don't really care. It's, uh, you know, we had the room. Nobody else was using it. So if he wants to do that and everybody else in the house is okay with it, that's fine. But these are crew quarters. Sometimes they're RVs, but, you know, in this case, it's a nice Airbnb. So eventually we come, we cut down the crew after three weeks and we're, you know, pretty well done with the demo. Now we had an issue with the crew where one of the guys that was walking around, let me see, I think there's a video in here. They moved it up to four feet. So this is in one of the apartments and you can see all the drywall there has been cut to four feet. That's what we come in and do as well as that shear wall. We cut to two feet, pull all the crap out, cut the insulation up, get anything that's wet out of there and redone. There's another one. In just apartment after apartment. We had There's 80 of these. One. Yeah. One second. One second. And then oh, and I think I passed the guy. Feet. Are we done? Okay. So that guy right there, he was fine for a few days. And then I guess he got paid or something and probably went and got some smack. I was constantly doing this thing with his mouth and his tongue and his teeth or something. It was weird. And uh, then he's wanting to like leave at three o'clock. He, he pulled me aside. We'd like to get out of here and get some money and probably because his smack was wearing off. <laughs> And I told our crew boss, hey, let's just get rid of him. I don't want him back. That didn't happen. He comes back the next day and I'm downstairs dealing with some problems. And so people come out, hey, that this guy took a shit on the floor in the closet. Of course, there's no drywall up anywhere. So he just took a shit in front of three people. Apparently they saw it. It's still up there. My brother's employee that left to go to the to the comedy show for three days, four days with his dad that, you know, he just couldn't change. Uh, he walked by it and didn't do anything to address it, but complained to me that it wasn't cleaned up and I, like, I'm not even up there. So I had this dynamic going on with, uh, one of my brother's employees that was, he's very argumentative and he's not really great with customers. And he ended up just being in open defiance against me, like refusing to talk to me refusing to relay what our hygienist uh, told him about the process, refusing to update documents for me because I was mean to him because he missed something that like cutting the plastic out so that because what you have is on the exterior walls, you have black plastic that gets put up. Well, that traps moisture on the inside and it won't dry out. So you got to cut that out. Well, he missed that and it cost us three days of drying in some of these rooms that we had to, you know, leave equipment in there and start moving things around to focus it. I was not happy about that. And, but he was constantly focused on the negative on why this won't work, why this is a problem and it's not uh, creating solutions. And eventually, yeah, he gets mad at me over, uh, not being very nice to him at during a lunch conversation because I was, I was pretty pissed off at what these guys were doing on my job site uh, or, or the things that they weren't getting done. Um, and eventually I told Brooks like, Hey, like I can't have this. 
I've got to, I can't have people in open defiance. It's going to lead to a major communication breakdown and that could blow up in our face on a job like this. We can't afford that. So I like the guy. He's, he's generally pretty good, but this is not the right role for him. I can't have him on these big jobs. So he gets sent home. Somebody else gets sent out for a few days and then has to go back. My brother's employees seem to always have major problems going on. And, um, let's see. So eventually we, we start slimming the crews down into, uh, we get rid of all the people that are at this other Airbnb house, this first one with the nice bathroom that I loved. And, uh, eventually it's time. We, we have been two weeks at the other two houses. We're moving back to this one that day. His family's going home. I go over there to actually drop some stuff off because I had my car full of things and I was trying to empty it out and move it to the house so that I could use it later that day. And I'm trying to print some documents out for work. And meanwhile, his wife's over there playing Call of Duty and his son is over in the fridge yelling back and forth to his mom while I'm trying to get some work done and then he sets up his tablet and starts playing a video game and they both have the volume up and I'm just like, are you serious right now? And they were supposed to be cleaning the house. So I come home actually with, uh, had a date while I was out there and she was with me. We stopped by the house for like 15 minutes. Uh, and he's like, Oh yeah, the drain in the shower doesn't work so we've just been using the the hand wand standing in the bathtub to take showers (laughs) which it has a linear drain to be fair but all you do is you lift those up there's a little strainer in there and you pull the hair out just like you have to clear any drain but uh they didn't do that they just kind of left this puddle of nasty gray water and hair and stuff pile up in there so this is what i come home to with the date and I'm just like, Oh yeah, this is, this is not good. And the the rest of the bathroom was filthy. So I, I, we go to dinner, drop her off. And then I get back at like, I think it was 9 PM and spent the next three hours just trying to scrub the bathroom, change the sheets on the bed, uh, and wash them. And I mean, it was disgusting. Like there was a puddle of, piss dried piss behind the toilet like that big size of a banana uh that i got to scrub with bleach wipes that was always fun uh and the hair all over had to sweep and mop the whole the shower the floor all of it bedroom was the same way the whole place was nasty when i first get there he's uh on the xbox because you know this is what weak men do this is what andrew's been talking about they're distracted by the matrix by here watch play some call of duty and get sucked into that instead of porn if you don't like porn just do call of duty it's the same thing and so i walk in and there's food all over the counter there's dishes in the sink there's dishes on the counter that are clean but they're drying but not put away. And the, the dishwasher is full of dishes that I don't know if are clean or dirty. So I'm like, Oh great. Well, yeah. Why don't I do y'all's dishes for you that you couldn't do that your wife could have done while she was here for like two hours earlier today playing video games. But like there are people in this world that just, 
um, I don't know if they get comfortable or they just don't care or if they're just zombies to, you know, I, I just, I don't want to do dishes. I'd rather play video games and, and let the dishes sit in the sink. So I come in, I'm like, not having this. This is my office. This is getting cleaned up. Put all the food into the pantry. I get this discussion about, well, let's keep the paper plates on top of the, the sorry, not paper. They were like the styro, cheap styrofoam disposable plates because God forbid the guy should have to wash dishes. While, while I'm washing his dishes, he tells me, oh, yeah, just leave that. I'll take care of it. And I'm like, yeah, obviously, seeing as how it was sitting here as I walk in. Um, so in the end, I scrub that place for three hours before I even feel comfortable going to sleep in there. Couldn't get the sheets done in time with the wash. So I like laid two sheets down and then slept in my clothes on top of the bed because it was so nasty in there and disgusting. And uh, yeah, that was the start. So then we get into arguments with him leaving food out or wanting to you know, not clean up after himself. And I have to explain to this guy, hey, uh, this is a shared living area and this is our office. And, and we actually build, you know, $450 a day to use the Airbnb also as an office to, because we did. It was two blocks from the job site, super convenient, brought contractors there all the time. You know, Tate talked about how you go into a house and it's pristine and everything's clean. He got to see that towards the end. I had He was there. Some contractors were coming in to pick up checks and that sort of thing. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Can I get you a drink? You want some water? You want this? And, and I get him something to drink. And at the end, the guy got up, went over to the sink, dumped his drink out, and put it in the dishwasher without me even saying anything. And I'm just like, uh-huh, yeah. Meanwhile, he's trying to tell me how... Uh, you know, this is how people live. And this is, he's trying to enroll me in his being a slob. And like, he's getting all mad at me because I'm forcing him to clean up after himself. I'm forcing them to close the gates out front because we have a, a $20,000 generator sitting in the driveway behind the gate. And I don't want to invite criminals to come in and drive away with it. It's really not that hard to open and close the gate. And you know what guys, we're here to do a job and clean up a, a mess on behalf of somebody. And y'all can't even figure out how to do that here at your living quarters. And the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So we're going to run this house like I run my job site. And he was not happy about that at all. Uh, and, you know, we had constant, uh, I'm, doing his dishes for him kind of thing or just uh, it, it's it's exhausting because i was out there working 12 14 16 hour days come home then i get to fight these battles over uh how to not be a slob and you know he's at one point he told me well why don't you guys uh if you if this is what you want why don't you get me my own airbnb i'm like well we don't have just unlimited budget to get you a house you know, cause you want to live like a fucking slob. I didn't say that part, but definitely thought it. And, um, you know, like that was his solution. Not let me clean up after myself. And I, and I told him, look, I'm not going in your room telling you, you need to clean your room. That's your space. I don't care. I can just shut the door, but out here, this is our office. We're going to keep it clean. 
And I remember him saying like, man, that guy is just impossible, impossible. <laughs> but it's just about excellence. And it's the same kind of thing that Tate is talking about. As, as much as I don't like him, I like some of the points that he's making about you know mascu- masculine excellence and doing things right and doing things you know, with honor, integrity, and that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, eventually he got paid, I don't know, I think it was like 20 grand for some the previous week, and he was supposed to come back the next week, finish up the job. He decided, oh, I, needed, I need another 16 grand to come back. And we're like, yeah, no, you're fired. You're done. You're never working for us again. Good luck. And uh, anyway... Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I guess I think one of the lessons that I learned, and and of course we find out later there was this crew that, that a guy that brought like 17 guys on his crew and he was aggressive and hostile and they were arguing and, and so forth. I wanted to fire him at one point and then, uh, he, he did. And then the guy wrote Brooks and I, and we both said, yeah, come back. And then after that, he said, oh, no, no, it's good. Well, we found out that he started, he added $50 per person per day. And we think that he was trying to pocket that <laughs> as well. Of course, we lost about two grand in tools that they stole. And that's, again, because my brother doesn't have any processes in place. There's no sign-out sheets. The job boxes that I brought him weren't brought down there so that we could secure all the tools at the end of the day and have a check-in, a sign-in, sign-out sheet, and so forth. Um, eventually, we got everything, I think, fairly organized and put started putting these processes in place with his consultant, Ben. And uh, there was a time where I was just getting livid with everything and called mom, the matriarch of the family, and talked to her about what was going on. And there was, there was a shady accounting thing that my brother was trying to do in the beginning. And we're like, no. And he got chewed out pretty good from that, from her. Uh, well, this time it was another discussion about the leadership problems and some of the things that are not going well on the job and it's not being addressed and how do we address it? And then Ben got rolled in, who's our consultant and one of his, uh, employees as well was on the call and what he was telling Brooks versus what he was telling me are two different things. So Brooks wasn't getting the clear picture. So I had to sort of create the safe space where he could come out and say things that Brooks might not like or might hurt his feelings or whatever. Uh, but those things finally got said and we started having calls with Brooks. Brooks started stepping up, doing the leadership role um, and things, you know, smoothed out, I think, quite a bit after that. So. Like that's a big part of managing these jobs or managing people is sort of working out these conflicts, especially if you're going to try and be your own GC, because that's kind of what I'm doing out there is I'm responsible for the overall job and making sure for the overall success or failure of the project, which we finished it earlier this week. We got the bill off to him. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it just, it was emotionally draining, physically draining, um, because you get to fight these battles at work and then come home and you're still sharing space with some of these people and like, they can't even put, pick up their drinks. And I found, uh, like 
oatmeal or or uh, no yogurt in a bowl sitting on the cloth couch and two of the employees brought their dogs and there's a no dog policy so that creates problems for Brooks to figure out and his employees just don't care about that we had the lady claim that at the end of this that we tried to steal a bunch of towels and uh, bed sheets we stole a bunch of bed sheets apparently and sh- and we brought dogs in and they found dog hair and there were people smoking outside on the porch and therefore she wants a thousand dollars meanwhile in san antonio i read an article the final week we were there that airbnb revenues are down 43 percent in san antonio and around 50 percent in most of the major cities so this whole real estate thing the market has turned uh, there are going to be a lot of these Airbnb owners that have four or five of these. This one was just built. And I mean, it was, it was, it was a shit job. The, the dishwasher wasn't screwed in. They put this, uh, barn door that slide, you know, the slider doors, except they drilled the holes and it didn't line up the first time. So then they had to drill four more holes for the two brackets to hang it. And they left the old holes and then they didn't fill up the holes in the bottom and then they didn't close in the casing. So there's like a gap like this around the door where if you're sharing this master with your brother, not the, it's not ideal. Uh, and yeah, the, so the lady wanted a, a thousand bucks on top of everything else because we were such bad tenants and stole all her towels, which were in the linen closet, which her guys couldn't apparently find when they went through and determined what all was missing. So whatever. Um, let me think here. So there's one of the places across the street that we had lunch at. Uh, let me think. We probably went through, I think it was like 15 of uh, these dumpsters and got rid of them. I drove the forklift through the floor right there. Uh, this is one of the common areas that we got tested because they needed this to be able to rent out the apartments before the other ones were done. So they wanted to get back building this. So we made that a priority, did it all backwards. I got Brooks working on the paperwork. Uh, this is how we eventually got the trash out. We brought in, trash removal from level two, brought in this big forklift with a bucket. And then the guys would, it would extend up there. And then the guys would throw the trash in. And then it would get rolled out, driven out to the street and dumped. And then I think this is in here somewhere. There's a guy in here that's like shit talking me about. uh, No, I don't see it. About not being whatever, the real person doing this. And this is all fake. And I don't know. Anyway, so this is kind of in the middle of it towards probably like week three, I think. And I'm just walking around doing a quick uh, site check to see that see what's been missed and so forth. Like one of the problems that I ran into <clears throat> in one of these lower apartments down here, there was a thing that they missed. It was a little piece of uh, drywall that was, in fact, I'm still it was right there to the left um, in a double stud wall. It had gotten wet. It had, was growing mold. We had we were in the middle of drying these out and I'm like, let the, let dopey know, Hey, we need you to, I need you to go in and get this drywall out before we finish drying out the apartment that, you know, still has mold in it. So, and then that didn't get done. 
And seven days later, it still wasn't done. So I get in there with my shoe and kick it out and pull it out. Um, and there was a lot of things like that where Dopey was just, the guy would come home and at lunch and watch TV. And I'm like, do you know how many hours, do you see how many hours I work? You want to be a manager, but like you're coming home to watch TV during the middle of the day. I don't have time for that. And here's why, because I'm, I'm trying to run the job and he wasn't reporting to me. So eventually we got rid of him. And the solution that I came up with is there was another guy, a Colombian there that's like six foot four, real tall. You know, I walk fast cause I'm tall. I've never had anybody actually slowly pull away from me as they're walking. Cause he walked that fast. So we could do, I ended up grabbing him, giving him one of the meters and sending him around to do moisture readings as we go through this process. And so I eventually end up promoting him because anytime we asked him to work a double shift, he's like, Hey, Hey, yeah, let me do it. Cause they got paid overtime for that. Um, and I ended up spending a lot of investing time in him to teach him the business a little bit. And we've decided afterwards, uh, there's this IIRC certification that you can get. It's about $600. We're going to pay for $400 of that for him so that that way he's got some skin in the game. But if he can go through and get certified, he'll know the right steps and it will make my life a whole lot easier the next time we do a big job like this. And he's also, you know, having the right work ethic, the right attitude, all of that, and being able to, you know, do paperwork and so forth, something that the dopey just couldn't seem to manage on his own. Uh, that's half the battle. So what I've tried to do with Brooks is like, hey, we need to invest in people, $400 in, in this kind of environment, not a lot of money to invest in somebody, even if he goes off and doesn't work with us on the next big job that we get it's worth doing uh and there you can see there's some those red lines are where we go in and cut the drywall out um so i found somebody and now he doesn't speak english so that's a bit of a challenge but we've been able to communicate enough and i think if he gets certified i'll have somebody that actually knows what they're doing and can make this whole process a lot smoother and i anyway uh what else do we run into the the meters that we came down with one of the probes broke and uh we couldn't take moisture readings which is like critical path for us and brooks had all the different units but they were all different types and three different manufacturers so you can't just switch these out on a multi-million dollar commercial job like this so we had to go in and uh i had to scramble Try to get my brother's people to order the new probe. They couldn't figure it out. I had to go home, figure it out, get one the next morning. They break that one within a day. Uh, it was, yeah, it was fun. But uh, eventually, so there was another thing where I'm showing Brooks, hey, you cannot let a little $500 meter hold up the entire project. And this shouldn't be an emergency. You need extra probes. You need all these things. So he gets it, but doesn't have the time to put it together. So when I got back, uh, the first time I ordered a bunch of, I ordered a backpack, a new meter that has all three things in one, three extra probes to go with it. So we've got replacements ready to go, battery chargers, a battery bank in the back. So you can use it while you're charging it. Yeah. That's helpful for hurricanes, lighting to go in there, tape markers, like everything we need to go in and assess and mark a property is now in this backpack. 
And once I get that sorted, I'm going to create probably five more. And they're about two grand a piece to buy all the instruments and tools and things that go in. Uh, there's, I'm going to probably end up buying five iPads to go in these things as well. So it's, it's going to be an investment, but that's how we show up prepared with the tools and the toolkits so that everything's together and it's not constant chaos because can't find this or can't find that. And so when you run into in business, run into these sorts of issues, it's an opportunity for you to solve it, for you to come up with a system or a process to put in place and, you know, so that it doesn't happen again. And while this could have gone a lot smoother and there were some upsets and, and things along those lines, um, I think we learned a lot from it in the process. And um, if we were to do this again, it would go a whole lot smoother. We know what we're doing. Uh, you know, we've, we've created a bunch of the forms and so forth to do this right from the get-go going forward versus some of the hoops that we had to jump through to make this work. Um, let me think if there was anything else here. But yeah, that was that was it. So it was just a huge huge undertaking um here was one day father's day i took eight thousand steps in 94 degree building before 9 a.m and that was a 22,000 step day so uh the, the these are the air quality samples so we went around with the hygienist that was another thing that uh i really enjoyed i got to meet wendy's her name from she's from dallas she works with us on a lot of different jobs and she's been an entrepreneur for a long time. So I talked to her and of course we were doing these samples in the middle of the night for, you know, like 12 hours after a full day. Um, and I was talking to her about what we're trying to do with the job. Some of the problems we're having with Brooks and so forth. And then we all Brooks and I and her went out to dinner um, and had a nice talk and she gave him some advice and tried to like, coach him and being a better leader and better manager and how to manage his time and give someone to handle operations like shed that so that he's doing more customer facing stuff she had some feedback for me and so forth so i've tried to like bring in people the right people to and she's also helping us see you know like i caught 80 90 of the problems she didn't miss anything and so I'm going to bring her in on the next big one as a consultant to help us make sure our process is tight and what doing what we're supposed to do. And she's identifying stuff for us and helping us get off on the right foot. And what she's pointing out is, Hey, if you do this right and you follow the process and you do these things, it may take a little more time, but you'll make more money because you can bill for all of these things. So she's helping us ring the cash register for a little bit more by you know, making sure we're following all the proper procedures per the standards and processes and so forth. Um, the fuel bill for the generators was uh, over $20,000 for the month. <laughs> the rental bill for some of this equipment right here, this isn't all of it, but that was, I think, $60,000. Um, we spent... This is what it looks like when we were done. That white paint is an encapsulation. It kind of seals in the mold after it's been treated and killed and sanded. Then we come back and, and spray paint it. 
Uh, we put up a bunch of containment and testing and so forth. And then when we're done, this is pretty much what it looks like. These are all the cans that I had to go raid the Home Depot because we didn't even have good estimation on the front end. And that's something Wendy's talking to me about. Hey, you know, they have professional estimators. They can tell you what kind of materials you need so you can line them up. Instead, I was running to eight different Home Depots to buy out all the cans that they had of that specific mold paint or encapsulant. Um, instead of knowing, hey, we need about 100 gallons, let's get that ordered and, and shipped across country, and then we'll be in good shape. So anyway, so many things we can do better, but uh, we learned from it. We got it done. It was uh, all the, the last five zones that we or areas that we had to retest all passed. We're complete down there. We're just picking up two generators. I think that's already done. And uh, we sent the bill off, and it was uh, it was a healthy bill, healthy, healthy bill. It was uh, ninety seven thousand square feet, roughly, that we treated, and we came in about six, a little over sixteen dollars a square foot. You can do the math there; not that hard. And uh, there you go. So I'm likely to get. Oh, I better get a six figure paycheck from this, and it better start with a two Brooks. <laughs> um, but a nice little payday for a big job. I mean, and of course we had to come down there with half million dollars of our own money, half million dollars worth of our own equipment. We had to rent another 60 grand worth of equipment, uh, to put all this together. But the net that we're going to get from it is going to be high six figures most likely. So, uh, you know, uh, not a bad way to work my ass off for a month, put in 400 hours that first four weeks. And then a couple light weeks after that of follow-up, we got the job done and uh, I make more in a month and a half than probably, I think 95% of the people in America make working a full year. And then I can do the show and whatever. But the best part is we can probably do two or three. They, they want three or four. I'm like, no, two or three is good. Uh, two or three of these a year. Uh, and once we get our process down and we have this running smooth and we've got, you know, people like uh, Jean-Pierre, that's our Colombian guy that I'm bringing up and training and uh, going to make him the new crew boss to work with me. Once we get that kind of all smoothed out and ironed out, we could start doing three, four or five million dollar flood jobs. And then it's kind of the same timetable, just everything's a little bigger, more people to manage, more areas to manage, but the payout's three or four times this one. So <laughs> it's good. It's good. Life is good. So we made it work, figured it out, and there were a lot of lessons learned. And one of those was, you know, when people tell you who they are, believe them and like, I've just learned I'm, I'm being too nice with a lot of these people because everybody that I thought I should get rid of that person and I didn't, they later came back and caused problems. They, you know, just without fail. So when I see people not performing, I'm going to be much less lenient and just get rid of people. Uh, and I think that sort of sends a message to the remainder of the crew to kind of shape up or ship out and it's like that's almost what you have to do in this environment to make it all work and then 
you know, be organized on our end as well. So huge, huge learning experience. We've done jobs this big, but this was probably the biggest one, one of the biggest ones we've done with the most work. There are others where we came in on, you know, a hundred apartments and did painting or this task or that task, but not the whole thing. This was much more of here, come in and do the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, there were times where we're going in for mold test and those apartments down there on the other end of the building, we had them cleaned, HEPAVAC'd, ready to go for test. And I go in on test day and the outside windows are open. And what they're doing is they're taking tests outside and then inside and comparing how many mold spores land in the sample. So when you got the windows open, the inside becomes the outside. Well, they did that because they were going around hanging the awnings over the doors. And the the crew's doing that, left the windows open. Then the bricklayers come along. They're acid washing the brick. They're spraying water inside. So we failed like five of four of those apartments. <laughs> and, you know, that's the kind of, the, there was a time where we were drying out the, the big yoga room. They came in pulled all the glass out of the window, which means it's not sealed, which means it's not drying anymore. But that means, Hey, they're just paying us to rent the equipment for longer. That's fine with us. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was just a lot of coordination, a lot of challenge and, uh, a huge learning experience. So there you go. Kind of, kind of what I do going out there is, is figure all this out make it work and just make it happen. And it's, it's, a lot of the principles that um, Tate was talking about there absolutely come into play. It takes being that kind of man to do this kind of work. So there you go. All right. I think I've bored you guys enough with all this. We'll check back with the comments. Tate's a hustler. How long were you on this job? It was, uh, well, about a month of constant, you know, I, the first month I had two days off. <clears throat> oh yeah. No, I didn't tell you about my apartments. Okay. So I'm the, I was there for a month, worked 400 hours. Uh, and then I decide to finally come home for, uh, the weekend. It was supposed to be like through Tuesday. I was going to be back Tuesday afternoon, drive out Tuesday morning, get back in the afternoon and be back on the job site. So I leave, I think it was Friday night. Yeah. Uh, or no, I leave Saturday and it ends up being afternoon. And so I finally, and I realize as I'm leaving, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I don't think I've paid the power bill. So I log into my account and sure enough, there's $330 due. So I uh, send that off and get that paid and i'm hoping like well if they did turn the power off hopefully they'll switch it back on i get home nine o'clock uh power's off the apartment's hot because it's like 85 degrees outside there's no lights and it, the apartment just stinks so bad because right before i went on this thing and i figured i i had gone grocery shopping bought a whole bunch of meat that was in the fridge uh, which had now had the power off for two weeks, I found out. So it was rotting. <clears throat> there were like spots all over the inside and those were maggots. And then I realized they're all moving around. <laughs> and it was so gross. And like, you know, I had short notice and I was in the middle of moving 
clothes and things I'm unpacking winter clothes for for summer and that sort of thing but I walked back in and I see this house especially after I had been at the Airbnb and like enforcing this model home appearance for at least the common area of this place and having all these battles and then I walk into my own space and I see I've got papers on the floor here I haven't cleaned that up for a long time this is a mess and it stinks and the fridge is fucked and all all this stuff and it was just like I realized I wasn't living uh, I wasn't walking the walk I was talking the talk not walking the walk and um it kind of like I guess flipped a switch in me to where this was not acceptable any longer of course now fridge is gone I got a new one it's actually pretty badass if you go to LG's homepage uh wait oh come on Uh, if you go to LG's homepage, wait, I can't get it to come up. Hey, hold on. Okay, I'll just do it this way. That's the actual fridge that I ended up getting. Uh, it's badass. Has the little window that you tap on, lights up inside. It's got three ice makers. There's big balls of ice for if you're brewing tea. There's little cubed ice, endless bong ice, and then there's ice in the door. It apparently does not come with a beautiful woman who stands in front of it swooning with her arm above her head, her legs spread, her her other hand on her inner thigh, standing there. What do you think she's that look she's giving is are is is life is good selling you the idea that you buy this fridge you get to have sex with a hot beautiful woman like this and of course this works on women too because they want to be the woman in standing in the nice house in front of the nice four thousand dollar fridge that their husband bought them or their man bought them and they get to live the high life so it kind of it works on both sexes but anyway got that sorted went through got rid of a bunch of crap from my house that just needed to go and uh got rid of that got it all cleaned up and i really like i've lived that way before when i had my house in in dallas um but i guess i had gotten away from it from the divorce because of depression and so forth that i was dealing with and significant life changes and all that and really it was this show that kind of got me out of that is I decided to start doing a show again and making videos as a way to give me purpose and find something to just focus my attention on. Cause I was just sitting around here being miserable. Um, and I think, yeah, just, I don't know how to describe it, but, uh, it, it was just seeing the hypocrisy in my own life that, triggered me to say okay enough is enough stop making excuses and start handling this stuff let go of some of this crap that you don't need get this dysfunction in your life fixed and so forth and all that's handled and done now and put in new blinds around the apartment and dimmer switches and all this stuff and i love the place again so anyway okay uh so that was it eventually I, I came back 
sat that Saturday, uh, spend, uh, get home at like nine o'clock, spend three hours taking rotting food, throwing it in trash bags, getting it outside, wiping down some of the magnets, trying to get those minimized. At least there's bugs flying around everywhere. Cause I figured, Oh, I'll be back in a week or two. And it ended up being a month, um, to throw away that meat. But yeah, it was nasty. It was really nasty. Um, forget where I was going with that, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess I should leave it there. Um, I think we can kind of get in a rut and like, I think there's a lot of people sort of in that rut, like dopey and his, his whole family really. And these video games and porn and all of these distractions are like they're weakening our society. Just like Tate was talking about they're taking and creating weak men. And I think it's strong men that are going to be sort of compelled to stand up that are going to be the future. Like we're going through that whole fourth turning right now where we have a bunch of weak men. We have the, the sort of downfall of society playing out with all this gender stuff. And there's also this aspect of the music that I heard on mysterious universe. They did an episode where, the, they they looked back on history and when the music changed, it brought about changes in society. And they even gave this example of this guy who created this chaos orchestra that was just these like annoying sounds back and forth of all kinds of industrial stuff and whatnot. And it eventually created a fight in the theater, which spilled out into a riot in the streets. And yeah, there's just so much... I guess that impacts people um, subconsciously in ways that I don't think we, we realize. And there's a lot more at play here uh, with this whole agenda, whether it's agenda 2030, whether it's the whole LGBTQ plus and pushing pronouns and all that nonsense on us. Uh, at the same time, they're weakening men and manipulating women and trying to control the narrative and trying to, uh, bring in this paradigm of the CBDC, which is the ultimate financial control and the escape hatch is right over there and it's crypto and it's up to us. It's up to you and me to stand up and be those strong men who speak out about what's happening and these solutions. We're the hope. We're the ones that can change things for the better. And it comes by raising awareness and getting people to, I guess, see what's happening and be aware of it and, take action accordingly because I things are about we're, we're heading into the crash. We're hundred percent heading into the crash. Uh, the question is how bad does it get for me? Cause we've got the economic issues. We've got the dollar reserve issues. We've got the housing bubble. We've got the vaccine and the die off associated with it and all of the chaos and disruptions that that's going to cause I think that famine that's coming that Tate and the ethical skeptic and others are talking about is a very real thing and um, something that we need to prepare for because I think we've got a rough patch ahead for the next five, 10 years or so. So there you go. All right, guys. So yeah, that's it. I got, I got life in order. I've even got half a gigabit internet now with, 
20 meg upstream. So the stream seems like it's been perfectly smooth tonight. Very pleased with that. Um, I will get back to doing the show more. I, it's just, yeah. So, oh yeah. So I came back to the house. It smelled, spent the night in 85 degrees in my room with no fans, got up the next morning, drove out to the farm, changed the oil on my car, then turns out my three-day vacation was only going to be one day, and I ended up driving back to Brooks's an hour and a half, and then four hours back to San Antonio, and I was back in San Antonio the following day on Sunday, and spent another week there. I go back um, my I, I, Friday. I'm heading back home for a couple days. <clears throat> I figure surely the power is going to be back on. Uh, I I send him an email to that effect. And get home, power's not back on. Turns out they deleted my account and now they want a $500 deposit in addition to all these other things. And I'm like, I'm firing your ass in a month. Just get it back on. (laughs) So then I spent another night in 95 degree heat before it got turned on the following day. But yeah, it was just, it was, it was a clusterfuck and it was such a wake up call for me to be like, Hey, get in the driver's seat of your life. And you're playing video games, watching porn all the time. You're not in the driver's seat of your life. So who is, who is, and it's, it takes work and it takes, um, I can speak to banks for 7 million (laughs) takes work. It takes dedication. And, uh, you know, you follow those principles that he talked about and it really can change your life because everything that he talked about there rang true with me from, you know, having more options, I get to chat with and talk to some amazing ladies that I know from doing this show from all walks of life. So it, it, it is true. So many of the things that he said, I just, again, he's such a shit spokesperson because he's not living his own principles. You know, he's openly trying to deceive the public to save himself rather than tell the truth about who he is and what he had done, even if he's somebody different today. So a lot of, a lot of heroes that the internet likes to hold up, but you know what? They kind of have a shit track record of picking winners sometimes as far as who gets popular and who doesn't. So there you go. All right. I'm out of here. I've probably bored y'all enough, put most of you to sleep. There's like probably six people still listening to my ramblings, but, uh, there you go. I will be back probably next week. I don't know what I'm talking about yet, but, um, you know, now I can kind of sit back and do whatever the F I want until I decide to go get the next job because that's all been sorted. So thank you everybody for watching. Hope you enjoyed this. I'm Sam. I am. We'll catch you on next broadcast. The more we follow the rules, the sooner we will stop the spread. And so everybody has a responsibility to follow those rules. They say it's 2021, but I ain't too sure. It feels like 1984. They've been mentally and spiritually waging war. Look where this leads, can't you see what they're aiming for? All well underestimated the capability of villainy and tyranny. These sick elites are masters of trickery. They're moving wickedly, watching the world bleed as they feed off our misery. Ah, uh, the world's gone quite mad. Yeah, the human psyche has been hijacked. Propaganda bombardments, your mind is the target. They want to deceive and lead us into darkness. 
fear is their greatest tool Fear can turn the brightest minds to fools Televised endless lies keep people terrified That's the way they maintain their rule Fear is the prison that they want us all to live in And ever since the beginning this has been their only mission Politicians cause division, they're just here to blind our vision Playing their position to distract us from their masters that are hidden I think George had a premonition Seems like it's all coming to fruition A race against time, now the clock started ticking The whole thing ends once the people have risen The only infection here is deception They fooled the whole world with PCR testing Look at all the facts they're neglecting to mention That's too many questions and you can get censored The thought police are patrolling They don't want information if they can't control it Nah, can't you see what's unfolding? 1984, George already wrote it Yeah, said we're living within all Wells chapters No money for homeless, but there's money to track us Tell me that ain't madness, now we're all anti-vaxxers Just cause we question and seek to find answers They want me scared for my life But nurses can find time for TikTok dances The media's a stage full of actors Manufactured psyops and distractions Big Brother is watching and plotting Hands aren't the only things that they want washing Nah, they want everybody locked in Taking your mind hostage till you've lost it New normal Lockdowns, the plan's in motion and it ain't gonna stop now You can see the plot now, it ain't even hiding A real pandemic doesn't need advertising It's an attack 